can hear yourself. Yeah, very nice, nice and uh, loud. Yeah, nice and loud. Oh Jesus, there we go. I can hear. Oh, mate, that's a four-dollar microphone stand. Oh, so, uh, yeah, it's all right. You've only got a six-dollar guy sat on the end of it. <laughs> Play the music. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm quite comfortable here. How are you doing? Oh, I am good. And uh, let's make this official. Well, let's. Okay, you got it. Yeah. Um, so, G G G J J D. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, J D. Okay. Okay. Good. Yep. Yep. All right. Five seconds. Four. Three. <laughs> Hello. Welcome to Stacks Radio uh, with your host, G. Dig. Oh, you stupid fuck. Stacks Radio with G. Dig. And welcome to another edition of Stacks Podcast. And I'm here with no other. Mr. Sean Rockpit Bennett, mate, how are you? <laughs> I'm very well, thank you very much for inviting me in on a, on a Friday. On a Friday, mate, yeah, it's uh, glad to get you down here. I mean, you live next door, and it's taken me four <laughs> four years to get in the studio here to do this oh. uh, to do this podcast. It's been crazy. We both we, we're going to say we're going to be busy, but for other reasons, we haven't for about twelve months. Uh, we had plenty busy. of we had, busy? No, we had plenty of opportunity <laughs> when nothing was going on in the world. But uh, now everything's picked up again. We've decided to do it now. Absolutely, mate. <laughs> now, if anyone here is wondering who Sean is, um, can they let me know? Because I actually don't know who you are. You just invited yourself into the studio. And, oh, sorry. Yeah. Hang on. Yeah. Wrong house. Are we in Clark? Yeah, mate. No, we're not in Clarkson. Believe it or not, we're in uh, downtown Butler. It's the jewel in the crown of the Upper North. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I can feel it's it's another two degrees warmer from where I live in Queens because we're further north. Do you want to know why though? It's all the meth labs in the area. <laughs> it's uh, it's purely the meth labs in the area. It just heats the place up. There's a lot of gas being burnt right now that, you know, that's not really being put to good purpose. So. Uh, that's that's the only reason I came here tonight. So uh, <laughs> I had a feeling. Cheap discount. <laughs> I had a feeling. <laughs> Now, ladies and gentlemen, I've got Sean in from the Rock Pit, and if you are, uh, uh, if you you are anybody in the scene here in WA, you will know the Rock Pit and what they do for the music scene. And not only they bring the international scene and, of course, Australia wide to our back door here in Western Australia. Sean, you are, I, I, I put down in the little uh, tag that I, I threw you on for tonight. I called you the uh, the media guru of the rock pit. <laughs> I'm the baby new boy that's only been with them about three and a half years, but in that time I've uh, cracked over 100 interviews and, and God knows how many reviews and made so many amazing friends in such a short space of time. And, you know, the magic thing about the rock pit is international, national and local are just as important. So, I, I, fantastic. Absolutely, mate. And it's... Uh, I guess it's a brotherhood and, and we just had a little chat about what it's all about and um, Sean said, you don't have to tell me he's listened to every episode of the Stacks podcast and he's a major fan and, oh. yeah, I was, I was actually really happy to hear that. I know, so, I was going to get you to sign every copy I've got on cassette. On cassette, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's uh well well the thing is what you don't know I mean I know records are coming back everyone's loving the records Huge. and the vinyl again well I'm going to bring back the gramophone love it do it I'll buy one <laughs> yeah I'll yeah. buy one just for Stacks podcast to be on there I don't know where I'm going to get those little spindle things with the spikes on them and they're going to you know like I'll, Sony will be bringing them back out I'm sure they they'll will. hit the shelves soon yeah, you they reckon will. they will 
Mate, I'm really stoked to have you. As I said, we, I've been trying to get you in here for ages. Why? Because you've got stories to tell. Oh, mate, you've probably got more than I have, but uh, it's yeah, always but a pleasure. Yeah, yours are true. Uh, That's yeah. the difference, you know. Well, yeah, they're in print, unfortunately. I can't get out of them. <laughs> but uh, no, it's, uh, it's a joy. We always have a catch-up and a, and a chinwag when we uh, when we meet up. We do, mate, we do. And as I said, we uh, you, you do a lot. Not only do you do just interviews, I mean, you, you're also... As part of the rock pit, you've got a little stable of bands that you sort of look after and you're, you're forever promoting a show and, and, you know, of course, bringing that attention to the rock pit, which does interviews. It's got a beautiful web page where you can watch... Uh, you can watch MP4s of interviews or you can listen to MP3s. And you've also got a, a podcast. Yeah, we have. We've got the Rock Pit podcast been going now. We're just coming up to episode 28. So yep. we do one a month on the hard rock. It started off as a, uh, a two-hour show where we brought the metal side in all with the rock and the blues. Uh, this year we've decided to do it a little bit different and double the content by splitting the show. So there's now the metal edition comes out mid-month. So they've got their own show. And then the rock, the rock and blues, are, yeah, they're still there every month. So. You know, I plan on doubling my content too, but just the only way I'm going to do it is to slow the... You, you can actually do that in post-production, slow it down to half speed. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to that show very intently. Yes, you <laughs> may understand everything. But the problem is we sound like Darth Vader when we're trying to continue, you know, and yeah. if you're not a Star Wars fan, it's very hard to listen to. And, of course, if it's an hour-long show and you're driving to the city, then you can speed it up really quickly and watch it into the like this. Yeah. That's right. It's like, oh, I need to put it on full-time speed because why? Because I've only got a 25-minute trip and it's a three-hour podcast. Whee! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wow, Mickey Mouse is holding the podcast. <laughs> I knew this was going to be such a sensible evening. Yeah. Wonderful. You had a feeling? <laughs> I've got a feeling. Yeah, yeah. Mate, um, what's been going on? Now, let's just let's talk, talk current events quickly. Because I, I want to know about you. <clears throat> like, people know Sean from the Rock Pit, but people don't know what colour underwear you wear. We're going to get into the nitty-gritty later. Yeah. And, uh, but let's just quickly talk on the most recent... Um, events which was the Whamfest that just happened and your your very good friends yeah uh, electric state did very well well no, they did do very well and do you know what i i, I had a, a there's going to be a little mp4 going up in the next 24 hours where i caught up with them in their rehearsal room yesterday or the are day we before. able to get a snippet of that maybe oh, off, we might play it. a little bit of audio of it later on a but bit, uh put a little bit yeah they, they kindly invited me down they were getting ready for their show tomorrow which has sadly been moved it was a new venue that was going to be opening uh convenience which matty hatton has got and been working tirelessly oh, yeah I've to open that, yeah. and uh sadly Sadly, it's not ready, so very nicely Wham have rearranged it into the piazza tomorrow. So uh, Yomi Ship and Filth Wizard, who I love as well, yeah, and Electric State, yep. they're all going to be playing in the piazza, so free free to go down and see it. And uh, I'll be catching up with the boys tomorrow. But they invited me into their rehearsal room just to really give them a big hug. And we had a couple of CC and dries and a quick chat. And No practical jokes? Oh, mate, there's no practical jokes. <laughs> oh, they they still on? had these like childish grins on their faces where <laughs> they still couldn't believe it and still the funny quote for me was they were saying that all these names came out in the in the live category and they had the Southern River Band and, and Spacey Jane and, and Psychedelic Porn Crumpets and they were there thinking yeah this isn't happening and when they read out Electric State apparently they heard uh, Kramer from uh, Southern River Band turn around and go who the fuck are Electric State? <laughs> <laughs> 
So um, yeah, they were they were absolutely wrapped, and they couldn't believe it. And and then literally they were not collected their award. They were having photos out in the in the lobby when their name came up again for best most popular lo- uh, new act, and and to win two prizes was was incredible. And I think we've got a lovely affiliation with them up here, especially like the same as Kabashi and and Blinds, but all these bands play our local up here, the sixty thirty, the Baltimore. I kind I think we're kind of the Seattle of of Australia a little bit. We're we're remote. <laughs> we're on the west coast and we're north. Yeah, you know what I mean. Do you know what? I'd go even further to say the Nashville of, of Australia. We all these wonderful Damn, music Damn, I think you have a correct point there, sir. <laughs> well, sir, I think I have. And and uh, do you know what? The, the, these wonderful plethora of bands up here, uh, and and that is a fantastic home for them. And I'm I'm in process of talking to Ian about getting them back to have a celebratory gig at the Baltimore because uh, you know they've they've played some great shows up there. Yeah, there's a. There, I mean, there's there's always venues needed and that kind of stuff and the, and the Baltimore is the northern Kabashi like to call it their home ground yeah yeah it's, yeah. it's, it's like we get the home ground advantage when we play there and uh, and it's it's our spiritual home because one thing I've got to say and I've said it plenty of times on the podcast is it's kind of like the last bastion of an old school pub up there you know yeah. if you want to go out there and see one, someone you know like rock and roll you've got that you don't have that kind of city feel about it it feels I grew up in Newcastle, as we've discussed in the past, and it reminds me of the old, like, the, the Jolly Rogers and the and these venues back there that were gritty, they were dirty, they kind of um, had this texture about it that you don't get in a lot of places now. And and, and I love the Swan Basement for that reason as yep. well. And yep. you've, we've got another show coming up there soon with yeah. uh, Devil's Child and, you know, Bon Salute, so... It's got that it's got that flavour, you know. People go in there and they go, oh, the carpet, or oh, it's... Looks a bit dirty. I walk into a venue and see that, and I went, "Imagine the history here. Yeah, yeah. Who's played before us? Yeah. You know? And only certain lineups can complement those kind of venues. I think. Great point. I think they can. And and that one you've just said, said there. I mean, who doesn't want to see a Bon Scott set list in a Fremantle pub? Yeah. Um, and and then back it up with you guys, and, and back it up with a, a Judas Priest cover, a tribute act. Yep. Oh, what a night that is! It's fantastic. Yeah, it'll be very, uh, very tough. I, I, I do know that. Last time we did that, I was a little bit nervous being an original band, um, opening a set for well-known cover bands that are covering, like a a tribute band, so to speak. And I went into that a little bit trepidous, thinking... Ah, the sewing room. Yeah, at the sewing room, and I was a little bit... When I walked in and I watched all these people piling in, I went... I was. I never really get nervous. I guess I'm lying there. I was just like, if I see that, I'm like the type of guy that goes, come on, let's do it, and 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 let's step up for, for the fight. And that night I just sung my tits off, you know, like, and, and I had a lot of people just go, we don't know what you're singing. I said, no, it's a original band. I went, it was awesome, you know. Yeah. And to, to have that compliment in that scene was was really rewarding for us. And I still consider that one of the best gigs we've done of late due to that fact, you know. Yeah, and I, th- I think it's an ongoing thing we see time and time again. We know the standard of these original bands here because we see them each week. Yep. But it's getting Joe Public to see the quality. I know, th- I think there was a little spike when... Uh, that C word died off and bands were, there was only originals to go and see and I think Perth were quite surprised with the standard we had here. Um, And I think some bands have picked up new audience members, which is fantastic, but I do believe this tribute headline with with an original support is the way to go because uh, it's a fantastic option. Well, I guess it's like uh, when you go to see, if you were to go to see ACDC and then they pull out a band like, say, Thirsty Merc, for example, who hadn't been heard of before, but then people walk away going, Geez, that band was good. Yeah. Like, they're not there to see them, obviously. No. 
Um, I mean, people aren't going to go to this gig to see Kabashi, apart from our, you know, our, our fan and maybe his mate. Um, but <laughs> oh yeah, he said he couldn't make it actually. Oh God, you know, and I've already paid him. Oh shit. <laughs> Asshole. I'll see what I'm doing. I'm 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 not meant to be doing my hair that night, but I might try and get there for you. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> no, fair enough, mate. Thanks for that. Yeah. What time are you on? When you get there. Oh, brilliant. I yeah. was going to turn up about 10. Yeah, we're on a date. Oh, that's good. <laughs> oh damn. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're right, mate. And look, it's, it's one of those things where, like, and I've got to thank you, obviously, because you've, you've kind of organised those gigs. But Perth, for the original scene, uh, like, I mean, I've travelled Australia playing and I've travelled, you know, I've been overseas playing and stuff like that and travelled a few countries doing the music thing. And what I've seen over there and what I've seen come out of Perth, and I'm going to say it, Perth is unbelievable. Unbelievable, and it's because we're so isolated. It is, yeah, and it's so competitive. Yeah, yeah. Even though, and it's uh, Perth can be clicky, but I can understand why because we're all fighting over a bone. But that makes people better. Yeah, it does. You know? I, I, and I've had this from uh, I, I interviewed Jack Jones from the Southern Suns, and he said exactly the same thing about the diversity in WA, where the East Coast a lot of bands are so close together. Yeah, there's that tendency where they kind of nick ideas off each other and there's a few bands that are similar here there's so much diversity because you go down to the Frio places and you've got that indie surf rock into Scarborough and then you come up here the Northern Corridor we've got that rock based yep. um, and, and, and I think it kind of it works here it certainly works here and if you want to go and see a type of genre there's certain places you know you can go to see that that's a good point yeah. um, and I do think sometimes when there are poor attendances, it's because the wrong lineups in the wrong venue, and it just—it's no one's fault. It's just not—it'll never work there. The other thing too, you've got to remember that Perth is a multicultural city, heavily. Yeah. With a, um, with you know, we've got you know, two point four five million people in the whole state. Ninety percent of them are here to work up north, or work to keep the state afloat. We've got such a small percentage of music fans that are actually going out to see live music. So considering the amount that we've got compared to all the other states in Australia, barring probably um, Northern Territory to, to a degree, because they've only really got, you know... Uh, Dr Elephant. Pr- yeah. That's their band. Are they, are they up there still? Apparently that's their band. When Dr Elephant are out, the, the, the city's out in force to see Dr Elephant. Wow. Dr Elephant from here? No, there's a Dr Elephant up there. All right. <laughs> Yeah, because yes. I remember there was a band that played at, at, at Joondalup all the time at the Old Bailey, and that was Dr Elephant. Oh, well, there's a Dr there. Elephant up there, and apparently whenever anyone comes in, they're on the bill. Right. And everyone's like, woohoo, yep. Dr Elephant are on. Well, there's another, not a band, but there's um, uh, MD or MC, the, the guy that plays the didge and does all the... Have you seen that fellow with the beatboxing and the no, how plays cool. the didge? Uh, MD is what he calls himself. Uh, e, uh, M or E-M-D-E-E. And there you go, folks. Check that out because he's a didge player that does this really... He'll get a drummer in that lays down the... You know, like this sort of weird sort of techno kind of hip-hop thing and he just warps this didge and then it's just... It's sort of like trance music, you know, and it's... How cool. It is. It's And he's like... He's the man up there. He he does the markets up there, the twilight markets on the on the foreshore up there at, at Darwin and that. And I've caught him by accident a few times, and I thought it was coming out of a just a stereo, like someone was playing it. Yeah. And next thing I look over, and here's this guy on a drum kit, mic'd up to make it sound stadium, and this guy on a didge is just looping the didge and getting all these sounds. And it, you know, it was a bit like um, uh, that young fellow Perry that does all the the layering and yeah, yeah, yeah very Alex good. Perry who does. All that, no, for some reason, I think he designs clothes, but 
yeah, it, yeah. it was amazing. You know, like it was really cool. So, but yeah, mate, always we, you know, and it's a common thread here how we talk about. WA and the, the, just the talent in WA, you know. So. Yeah, and it's been a, an ever-revolving door of talent that have come out of here. I mean, you go back to the early days of, of bands like In Excess. As you can tell with my English accent, I'm kind of catching up with Australian music history, but oh, it's yeah. something I love. Um, and I've been lucky to interview some incredible people to go back and talk about the old days of the old recording days of Alberts and... Do you know, and, and I think I sometimes get a little bit more out of these artists because I'm genuinely interested. And they've probably churned these stories out years ago, but now they've got someone who genuinely wants to know the questions, the answers to the questions. And it it rejigs them back into it. The Brewsters have had... I've had two chats with both of them. And the stories they come out with, and one of them actually, John Brewster, forgot that he was actually there the night Stevie Wright recorded Evie. Right. And it was only we were talking about Alberts, and he suddenly went... God, I've forgotten. I was it behind the glass watching from the desk yep. when he recorded that night, and you've just reminded me that. Yeah, by and, talking and, about and it. And one of the most iconic Australian songs. You Incredible. Know? And then was he there for parts one and two? <laughs> yeah. I don't know which ones he uh, he was there for. And uh, knowing them, but the amount of time they hung around those studios, he probably saw the whole bloody album. But yeah. uh, was that recorded here in Perth? No, that was over at Albert's. But, but was it Albert's? Yeah, that was all in Albert's. Yeah, right. So. Um, yeah, you hear all these stories from these incredible artists. And, of course, the latest one I've been chatting to is Andrew Farris. And he loves talking about Perth. Of course, it's um, where he was born in Cottesloe. And he always says, oh, how's Perth? How's the live scene? I get a 20-minute chat with him. We spend seven or eight minutes talking about Perth, which I don't put in the interview because it's sort of personal. He's like, how are you? And how's the live scene yep. going? And yep. just so interested about how the venues are and, and, and how the music is here. And... You That's awesome that he, that he that he you know I mean it is it, for a lot of people I mean even ACDC a lot of people get confused and think that the, all the lads were born and bred here no they weren't but they you know as it's like anything it's uh, I'm a rugby league boy through and through and it's where you play your first first grade game yeah 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 um, that's your state of origin yeah so where you play your first grade game so I guess for them that's kind of like their state of origin is WA because yeah. that's when they first pulled the band together yeah and, and Dr. And, Dolphin yeah the, uh, and become who they are you know so Dr. Vo Dr. Dolphin and then and then the Farris brothers and then and then obviously in excess and, and it was interesting because the first time I interviewed him I was told by the PR company he, he's not wanting to talk about in excess he's he's gone down this road of country music yep. he wants to talk all about that yep. to me that's a challenge i'm like right, okay let's have no in excess i guess that because you're so familiar with the stuff that you know which is the, the in excess of stuff, course of course but it's not let's talk about andrew farris the the artist yeah. and, and what he's interested in. and i reckon on his sheet he probably didn't have any interviews from perth so straight away there was an aff uh, affiliation with me uh, and he started talking about because obviously you know my story and I'm like yeah, yeah yeah anyway back to your country stuff and he was like yeah, you know obviously we started out there as in excess and I'm like yeah 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 anyway back to your country stuff so I purposely made sure we didn't talk about it yeah and um, to the point that near the end I sort of <clears throat> we did talk about it just briefly yeah um, he's a very funny guy very dry sense of humour because I said oh can we just talk briefly 93, uh, 91, you played Wembley, Burnt Live, Baby Live. Yep. I didn't get to see that. Uh, I came here in 93 on a holiday, and I said, uh, I've got my ticket stub in front of me, Fremantle Metropolis. I said, $26.50 in excess. And it all went quiet on the phone. He went, you don't want your money back, do you? <laughs> 
<laughs> I said, no, 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 it was worth it. Every, you should, every minute. Oh, I just would have went, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yes, I do. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was quite poor. I think, yeah, yeah. I think your three-hour set was a little bit short. Kirk Pingilly must have split, <laughs> split his read or something, but I don't know what was going on there, and I was there just to watch Kirk. Oh, know, I was so. blown away by them, and it, and it still sits as one of the top gigs I ever went to. I was just absolutely mesmerised by Michael Hutchins. And In saying that, I mean, you're a man that's watched so many gigs... Have you got a favourite? Oh, it's so difficult. Yeah. It's so someone did ask me this, and it is so difficult. I, I'm a massive Iron Maiden fan. They never let me down. Oh, no, never. Um, but I suppose it's the unexpected ones. I got invited over to see Kenny Wayne Shepherd over in Forum at Melbourne. Yep. Didn't know much about Kenny. I'd interviewed him. We hit off. I only had a 20-minute interview. We were on for an hour and ten. Um, and he went all in about his family. Um really in depth about his family which I didn't expect yeah uh, and then we get a nice email I get a nice email inviting us over to the show so we, me and my wife flew over we hadn't been to Melbourne before we flew over um, and then I get an email in the afternoon saying can you get to forum about 2 o'clock so like oh what's going on here so we got there and then uh, we met his tour manager and then out he walks and came over and said hello in the foyer about half 2 um, photos chatted to us there was some meet and greets and um, competition winners that were yeah, there yep. and uh, I'm going yeah but they've, they've like paid to come and talk to you he went oh they can hang on he said you've paid in a way by interviewing me and taking your time to write it up and all that he said you've earned your time yeah. so we just stood and chatted for about 20 minutes the most lovely guy signed everything I needed signing and then he just turned to the tour manager nodded and then that night we were sat right in front of his guitar that night right in front of the mic front row dead in front of where he was and to see that raw power of that guy play guitar um, in this kind of rock blues form it, I was just mesmerised um, well I had a situation very similar where uh, I went to uh, we used to have the rocket festivals which you probably remember here at Joondalup on the Oval there might uh, have been before my time uh, I'm only 26 yeah no <laughs> yeah because I'm 104 yeah um, <laughs> And, but I, what I did is I seen this quiet area and I saw Nathan Gaunt in standing in this quiet area. So it's sort of funny with security because I, I guess I, I just walked there without looking nervous or silly and just strolled straight. I didn't realise I'd strolled into backstage band area. Oh, I'll get on, Nathan. How you going, mate? So, oh, good, mate. What are you doing here? And he goes, I just said, oh, I don't know, just hanging around. I said, uh, what's going on? Are you, uh, are you playing today? He goes, yeah, I'm a, I've just finished the set. And I went, oh, sorry, mate, I missed it. I said, oh, who's playing now? And he goes, oh, Michael Frente. And I'll be honest, I went, oh, Frente, is, did they sing that absolutely uh, perfect? It's got to be perfect. <laughs> you know, and he's come on. I said, is that Frente? And he's gone, nah, man, nah, not at all. Nah, Michael, <laughs> you don't know Michael Frente and Spearhead. And I went, no. But anyway, Michael Frente's come over and he's this sort of beautiful six foot four gentleman, you know, with the dreadlocks and a, you know, kind of a Kenny, uh, a Lenny Kravitz sort of looking character, yeah, yeah. you know, a good looking man. And, and he's, he had a guy with him that he calls Radio at the time, you know, and that's his guy that just sort of does all the uh, mixing for him and does the, the scratching and a bit of the stuffing with his sort of band and thing. And, and I just started chatting to these blokes. They obviously didn't know who it was and such awesome guys. So I'm having this half hour conversation with, oh, I've got to go, man. I'm on stage. I'm going, where am I? And Nathan goes, well, this is the VIP area. Oh, Are you shit. supposed to be here? And I went, fuck, man, I didn't even know. I didn't even know. So I'm having this conversation with Nathan. He's like, yeah. And he goes, oh, you're sweet. Stay here with me. So we just stayed there and obviously pulled beers out of the 
out of the bucket. Nice. Done the same thing. and <sighs> it was, But I had no idea. But I, I watched his set and I was astounded. And I was like, I love this fella. Mm. You know, still to this day I'm a fan. And then I bumped into him again when I went to Bali because I've got a – I'll show you the guitar later hanging behind your head. It's a uh, a blueberry guitar and they're handcrafted by a guy called Wayne Toots. Oh, I noticed that when I walked in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and Beautiful. they're made – he makes custom guitars. Like they're thousands and thousands of dollars. You know, they're handcrafted. And you'll see why when I show you later with the, the, the but Michael Frente loves him and he gets his guitars there. And I went, Michael Frente, when I was there, he was there picking up one of his guitars and going through his specs. And I know Wayne pretty well uh, from over the years as well. And and he goes, Oh, g'day, man. He, like, obviously, he was talking to me like he don't know me. And then I said, Oh, I met you once back in uh, Joondalup in at the Rocket Festival. And he goes, where you know so then I'm like explain yeah, to him and he's, yeah. he's gone yeah um, and then he's oh were you with Nathan that Nathan and I was like yeah and he goes I remember you know yeah. and then we ended up hanging out at Bali for three days you know nice. just just cruising to bars drinking a bit of surfing and doing all that kind of stuff nice and, and he was just such a normal guy you know yeah. just such a really cool dude you know? so many of them are and that's the nice thing I've, I've been so lucky with every interview I've done they've all been down to earth yep all been a pleasure to talk to because you know some people forget these guys have had like eight or nine interviews before me and they've had to answer the same questions every yeah, time yeah. so you know I try and I suppose that's why I record mine I don't like doing live because uh, you know sometimes they get comfortable are we like oh sorry <laughs> sometimes they, you get they get very comfortable because I try and make it a conversation yep. and when that happens they sometimes let things off that they shouldn't and I'm not one who ever wants to be that guy who has the exclusive because that's not yeah, yeah. what I do it for well you I don't do want it. to land them in a controversial moment no you, you want to keep you know there are of... journos out there that want that they want to be oh so and so exposes this I don't want that I want that artist to go I've just had a really nice chat maybe I shouldn't have said that but do you know what I think he'll do the right thing and leave it out. And I've had a, a few that I've left out on my own conscience when I've thought, oh, that's going to make a great part of the story or the, or the transcripts. And I've gone, that's not right. I've got to leave it out. Look, and to be honest, <clears throat> anyone that's listening to the, your podcast or, or even my podcast to a degree, we don't have Joe Rogan numbers listening to our podcast. Well, you haven't. Oh, I only agreed to do this because you told me you did. I'll do anything to get you here. <laughs> Did you notice I actually padlocked the door I shut? I did see you, that. I'm worried. Not... and th- This is tasting a bit funny and I feel a bit woozy. My all name I'm, is Jay. All I I'm going like to say is... to play a game. All I'm going to say is don't drink the Kraken and dry because it makes your <laughs> bum hurt in the morning. You, you are sitting in a chair that will suddenly lock over you. You need to figure out how to get out of it, but it will be at your own displeasure. Oh. Your mind is being controlled. Yeah. No, mate, you're, uh, yeah, you're not getting back out. No, so, uh, We're going to be here for three more episodes. Three more episodes, yeah, at least. Uh, basically, I'm doing a whole next year series until you're, uh, until you're allowed out. Series so. five. Electric State guys will be going. It's the Sean Bennett experience. It is, it's <laughs> Everything's the Sean Bennett, and actually, that'll be the tag of this show. Oh, yeah. Jesus. The Sean Bennett experience. Geez, you two have some fun. They're a, well, I they're shouldn't a say hilarious. two, but I mean, you and Electric State. The banter between you two. <laughs> some of the photographs I've seen. Oh, of, well, the one that I'm at every. I'm at every show, apparently. And the funny thing was, <clears throat> when I went and met them the other night to have a quick chat with them, uh, a photo was put up of me with them, and the guys down at Rocket Aria actually tagged in the post today and went. Oh, did they Photoshop you in this one? I went, no, 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 this is a genuine one I'm in for the first time. Because they do do a good job. They've had me everywhere. I was in Mundaring Ware the other week. I was at McDonald's working the late night shift at the drive Serving them at the drive-thru, oh, yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's hilarious. And, and do you know what? Sometimes I 
we went out for a drink the other week to watch the Zet Boys, and there was Craig and Bill, the twins, yep. and me yep. in a photo. <clears throat> and for the one thing I thought they might have photoshopped me in myself, so I had my own twin, but they didn't. No, disappointed. That's a, that's, a, that's a great opportunity gone begging. <laughs> but the, the banter is, is great. And it's um, there's a much, much love between us all. It's, they've worked very hard. As do, and I'll, I'll give them a plug, the guys that were on the nominations with them, yep. they're kind of in that little family we've all got. You know, you guys are in and you, you're on these bills with them. But Band of Misfits, uh, Ashes of Autumn, This Is Spud Gun, yep. uh, who else, uh, Triple Engine, yep. they were all on those nominations for those two categories. And they all thoroughly deserved uh, a crack at it uh, yeah. I believe and I know that if any one of them had won it well, the Electric State Boys would have been just as far behind them here's as, a little story you know. about this is Spud Gun I actually studied um, a, a technical musical course in Broome and I, I met Ethan from this is Spud Gun oh, there. Okay. and Ethan and I become we become great mates you know like we're sort of the two blokes that had a similar feel for the music that we play out of we had sort of girls in the group that were like bohemian type acoustic guitar singing songs about freedom <laughs> as you do as you do and uh, you know but Ethan and I really sort of hit it off when he sort of he's playing drums and they call him Bongo because he's always been known as the drummer in Broome you know next thing you know he's pulled out a Dean guitar and he's just ripped off this awesome solo Dimebag wow. Dimebag solo the thing with Ethan is you, you see him playing drums you should see the cat play guitar yeah. or you see him playing bass for This Is Spud Gun yeah. you know like when he was in Cavalier he was a drummer and uh, he you know but then he was moving down here and he sort of said to me, he goes, oh, I wouldn't mind joining a band. And I went, I've got just the guy. Because <laughs> I played with Ethan years ago in a band called Blackjack. Oh, okay. Yeah, so Ethan, um, not Ethan, sorry, Clint. And Clint, have I been, we've been close for years. Yeah, yeah, I well. remember you telling me about it. Yeah. yeah. And so I sort of went, hang <clears> on a minute, these two need to get together. And I, I kind of set up a date between them. <laughs> Did it involve a spud funnel? It did involve a spud funnel oh. and it involved a lot of debauchery. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I kind of had to shut the door and pinch my nose. But, um, yeah, it was pretty crazy. And, and look at where they are today. And I couldn't oh. be prouder of those yeah. two fellas, you know. And then, obviously, Nathan's joined. And I watched Nathan play drums and I'm – they're just the, – they're the right yeah. fit, you know. And, yeah. and Nathan's a very complex, deep sort of a guy as well, which is kind of total contrast to Ethan and, Ethan and, uh, and, and, and Clint. But – to see that they've gone from a couple of young fellas that and, and Clint's an amazing performer, and ama- and and Ethan looks fantastic and he's a he, he looks rock, you know, and he yeah, just yeah, does yeah. the thing with the hair and the yeah. he just looks the part, plays they're awesome. But to see him now be considered for Webby Awards and all that kind of stuff, and there's a lady there called Belle Skinner, which was at the who was the teacher of us in Broome 14 years ago. Oh wow. And to just to see how the universe works and <coughs> yeah, it all. Yeah. And I know Perth's a small town, you yeah. know. But, um, well, WA's a massive state, but yeah, yeah. everyone seems to know we're everyone, all, especially if you do a lot of gigging and touring within the state, you know. But it was just made me really proud. And you're right, Ashes of Autumn, that Northern Corridor up here. How Blindspot aren't nominated for an award every year is beyond me. Because yeah. for me, they're one of the best bands in Australia. Solid. Solid. Every time I've seen them, uh, they've never, ever put on a bad performance. No, they're, but they're so entertaining and that's Solid. half of it, you know. So. <clears throat> There's so many. Um, you could rattle off. We could sit here for four hours and rattle off names of bands because we really are blessed. with And some of the younger bands coming through Scatterback, we spoke out before yep. we even turned these mics on. Another young band that have just got so much promise and, and the energy and the songs they're writing... 
the songs they're writing are incredible. Some of these artists. Scatterback are, are insane. Wonderful band. Yeah. Alex, young Alex. They're right. I saw them down in. Uh, I think the first time I saw them was up here at the Baltimore. Yep. Uh, and then I caught them down in uh, the indie bar in Scarborough. Yep. And it just reaffirmed what I'd seen the first time, and they, they blew me away. And I didn't leave my spot. I watched watched their whole set, and uh, yeah, we're just very blessed with all well, these. I just watched concerts. a young fella that, and I, I want to say sorry to him and his dad <coughs> because I've known him for nearly nine years, and I completely forgot who they were. <laughs> Uh, that's the dementia from rugby league. But, um, <laughs> and I, I kept talking to him all night and I said, oh, I bet you're a proud dad and all that stuff. And he's going, yeah, Joe, I like that. And I'm going, oh, he must have heard my name mentioned by someone and I'd actually known him for nine years. And I, but but I, I don't see him every day. And this young kid that I watched as a little fella running around was the lead singer of Heligan. And he, while they're raw and they're young, and I said, oh, he must be proud. Well, how old are you, 17, 18? He's gone 20, 21. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Um, I said, well, you're looking young. You'll be good when you get to my age. You'll look. 15 so you know <laughs> he's uh, <laughs> but I was so impressed to see once again he's a northern product and all those boys are from this little area as well so I said I'm, I'm latching on to you and any shows that Kabashi do you're you're, you're going to be a part of it you know just to get uh, and there's a big support like a lot of bands are getting disgruntled around the place because they're not getting on the bill but mm. it's good for bands mm. who are established to pick a young band up and say come on that's the attitude you need, you know. Like I think it's essential, and I, I, I do think it is, and 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 that's very much the mindset we had when we were looking at the lineup for the Silent Deeds video launch. Yeah, you know, I um, I had that reaffirmed that Scatterback hadn't played Amps. Yeah, and it's a big deal for them. And and you know, I've never, pl- I've never played there. I've, in all there's the still years, time. There's, I don't know. Time's running out fast. I'm wow. 47. I reckon I've got about three years left. Oh, oh we'll get you in. Yeah, 50. we'll get you in. Yeah, I think uh, I predicted at 50 I was going to uh, climb climb the big ladder upstairs, but uh, I might even... Hang, hang fire and we'll get I might get even get amps. to 53. Yeah. That's great. Well, yeah. you've got six years to get Tough to year. I've had some... I've had, <laughs> I, I, it's, it's like I've bought a brand new car back in 1974 and I've driven it through the oceans. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, Wait, let's... let's if, we, if you don't mind, can we... Course. Look, we do talk a lot of music on this podcast, but essentially I want this podcast to be about people getting to know you oh geez yeah so you know we're going to go down that path of and the questions i'm about to ask are more about you and your background and you know and, and it's not the guitars behind you we're talking about you know your, yeah yeah <laughs> it's a nice yeah, background now, sean tell me if i'm right and it's just a sneaking a sneaking suspicion that's it yeah. easy for you to say yeah uh suspicion that you're not born and bred in Australia. No, mate. I don't know what gave you that impression. Uh, I thought my it's accent's just very lived, strong. I've lived in the northern suburbs of <laughs> Perth for so long. I assume that your accent is from here. Yes. Now, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> sadly not. No, born and bred in uh, Kent in, in, Kent? in England, the beautiful Garden of England. Uh, yes. Little seaside town called Deal, right on the coast near Dover. Right. Um, yeah, lived there all my life. How and, far uh, is that? Is it in Yorkshire? Is that a Yorkshire? No, Yorkshire's. They're up north where they have FedEx and drink warm beer. And then you've got the Codheads <clears throat> down the road. And then you've got us down south, uh, from the south of London. Yeah. Uh, yeah, where, uh, yeah, where our biggest trade around there is cocaine dealing from Europe, and it comes. I thought, no. and isn't all, that, <laughs> all of it sold in one club in Essex? I was uh, yeah, it. that's it. Yeah, well, it was until the, the movies all started and Rise of the Foot stole just stopped oh, yeah, that. Oh, yeah, you mean with old Paddy and yeah, all those yeah, boys yeah. and, and the, the, the Blue Range Rover experience. That's yeah. the one. <laughs> the, yeah, but the no. The country tours that they do in the Blue Range Beautiful Rover. little part of the world. Lovely bit of history. Got some old castles, so... Uh, the little village I'm from is called Warmer. Uh, in fact, there was a connection to uh, music. A guy called C- 
Chris Sangredi's bought uh, a studio there who produced albums for Thin Lizzy. His first ever record he produced was uh, Parisian Walkways for Gary Moore. He retired down to Kingsdown, which is just right next door to Deal. And he bought the old scout camp and turned it into a studio. It's called the Ecology Rooms. And he had uh, Anvil flew in and recorded their album when they restarted their career from Canada. Uh, They came in and recorded there and um, other bands came down and recorded in the studio. I used to see him in the local pub. Uh, completely out of context because it's, uh, it's kind of funny you say Anvil because I always considered Kabashi Australia's Anvil. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'll tell Lips when I speak. To yeah, to say, yeah, you've got a you've got a very uh, good-looking Australian <laughs> counterpart there with the average weight of the band is about a ton. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's that's where I'm from. Um, so yeah. Uh, so were you were you let's. When we rewind a bit, were you into music as a young fellow? Was it something that you really attuned, or was it something that came later in life for you? Always listened to music. My dad always had cassettes on in the car, The Carpenters, Neil Diamond, Johnny Mathis. He used to love all that stuff. Yep. Um, so I don't know really where... I suppose at school no, everyone no was... No Brian Ferry? No Brian Ferry. <laughs> I think it was before Dad's time, but... Um, <laughs> He was a big lover of all your Dean Martins and Sinatras and all those. And in fact, he, my dad's, he's about 80 now. He's still a Dean Martin tribute act in Wales. He goes around to old people's homes and places like that and does his Dean Martin act. Obviously, he's not been for the last year with what's been going on over there with lockdown, but that's what he's did. He retired and does that as a as basically his living now. Have you got any crooner in you? Are you no, no, I stay away from it all. Not I, even, not even, not twelve beers deep. There's no uh, start spreading the news. Oh, the story will come out eventually about my <laughs> karaoke win that earned me money to get here, which uh, the Hunter brothers collared onto because Electric State grasped me up. Oh, they did. They yeah. Yeah, they stitched me up live on air. Yeah, and, he, uh, here's some questions asked. Oh, uh, ask him about the karaoke competition <laughs> he won. To, uh, but uh, yeah, so as a kid, I started coming here. My uncle lived in Newman. Yep. Um, so as an 11 year old, uh, I flew here for the first time with my nan and granddad to visit my uncle. Right. And uh, we landed in Perth, and there I was leaving the green green grass of of Kent. And 24 hours later, I'm in the middle of Newman, um, being chased <laughs> around by large lizards and uh, being driven around the, the site in a whore pack and well, shown all yeah, that. Yeah. So was that country. your vision of Australia at the time? You thought, <clears throat> this country is pretty Fucked. full on. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's pretty full on. <laughs> but do you know what? As a, as a kid, you grew up with these visions of Australia. So when you saw that, you suddenly realised that all the things you saw in your, these books were real. It red dust and nothing. Yeah. Um, my uncle used to always tell a joke about they were at Meekathara one day and apparently there's a, a very large landing area where if there's ever a, an issue flying into Perth, I don't know if this is a story or true, they can touch down in Meekathara, the big jumbos can land yep. there. Yep. And apparently this happened one day as they were driving down through Perth and these guys got taken off the plane. They said, uh, you know, where are we? And my uncle's like, welcome to Perth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but well, what they do is there too, the, the Meekathara, and there's also another one out near Tom Priceway which can handle that sort of... Yeah. And... I mean, my wife works in the airline industry, and the reason they stop there sometimes, if they haven't got the fuel to, and there's a big jam up in the at the airport, they'll sometimes pull in there, just sit on the tarmac, and then they'll oh, either okay. a refuel or you know, and then they'll just obviously take off again so they can hold the hold. Must be it. quite hard to reach from for the Bowser to get the 
from the Mika Farah fuel pump. No, 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 that's up. where they pull up. They actually pull up at the servo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And fill they, them up and, out the back. Well, the tuck shop from the servo does absolute roar and trade with I you. Bet. Know? Yeah, four hundred passengers getting off wanting a bloody packet of. Uh, you just wouldn't be able to resist, would you? <laughs> Uh, welcome to Perth. The temperature is 38 degrees, and everyone will be looking out the window going, "There's a, there's a fucking servo, three houses, and a pub." Yeah, yeah the pub's uh, new. <laughs> Wasn't here last week. <laughs> yes, welcome to Perth. Population seven. Uh. But uh, yeah, so that was my um, yeah. Stayed up there for a week, and then um, did the lovely drive up through Carnarvon, yep. uh, up through Millstream, Python Pool, Whitnoom. So you actually then. never got to a city, and then well, you're back yeah, on a then, plane from there no, to then, Perth no, City, and then out again. No, we, this was all driven. We drove. Oh, you did the drive. Yeah, 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 yeah. So my uncle came down in his F truck, picked us up, back up to up to Newman, and then we had a combi van. My nan and granddad drove up through Millstream. We went up to Carnarvon down the coast. Um, awesome. Stunning, absolutely stunning. Uh, through Carragini and Whitnoom, we stayed in Whitnoom. 81, we stayed in Whitnoom. Um, I remember as a kid listening to the royal wedding of Charles and Diana in the campgrounds on the radio of the car, listening to the radio, that live. That's a childhood memory I have at 11, listening to that in 81. Wow. If it's 81, it might have been 82 because we came back the year after and we did the same tour but with my mum and dad. Did the distance between things blow your mind? Yeah, totally. Yeah, especially as a kid too because you, you come from a place where a, a long drive between counties might be 24, oh. 24 minutes. Yeah. Uh, and, and I remember going around Mount Whaleback and yep. being taken around in one of those whore packs yep. and then standing as an 11-year-old in one of the scoops of the diggers yeah. and then they tell you how many tonne these things pull up in one pool and you're like... You just I mean, you would have seen little Tonka toys as yeah. a kid, but you can never grasp the scale of those ones. I, I mean, they're, like they're the maxis, yeah, they're the big... That's it. I felt like Tom Thumb in like a miniature world of, yeah. of everything massive, like Gulliver's Travels. Yeah. Um, I also fired my first shotgun at the Newman Gun Club. My gr- my uncle was a member of the. I thought you were going to say the server. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that was uh, quite embarrassing. So it was. I was ushered f- forward as a young lad, and bang, nearly took my shoulder off. Uh, yeah, a lot I'm, of people. I'm, that's that's mm, half the battle is, is standing and, correctly with yeah, the yeah, firearm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, no, that, then yeah, it was just just incredible. And then yeah, Geraldton and, and coming down. And then when we got to Perth, because we came for about four weeks. We then had a week in Perth, and then we did the south. So we went down through Margaret River and Augusta, and just just mind blowing. So of course the next year, my mum and dad were coming with my sister. My sister was very little, and it was like, yeah, I'm coming again. I was 12, came back, and that's where my love for Australia came. So every every when I got to sort of, and I was working and I was earning money, all my mates would go to Spain every couple of years. I'd save up and come here. So did I'm, you run around uh, England with like an Akuba or anything? And I did have an Akuba. I had a feeling. I've got so many friends. Yeah. I used to be a tour guide and I used to pick people up here in Perth with a truck of 20 tourists and we used to camp out of swags and camping all the way to Darwin and it was over 30 days. It was wow. over a month. And I'd take them through Mitchell Plateau. We'd actually avoid... We'd, we would go through Mekathara. We'd, once we come out of Exmouth, we'd visit Karajini. Beautiful And then place. from there we go to... Um, <clears throat> up further north and we hit sort of Broome and uh, we stay at a place called Port Smith on the way through to Broome. We've sort of skipped through Port Hedland and all that, but we didn't sort of go to those places because we like to spend a lot of time in through the Kimberley um, and then and then obviously up right up to Darwin and then try and get across to the Daintree and have a little bit of a look at that. But one thing I found about a lot of tourists from England was, one, 
they couldn't believe the distance. And I'd say to ladies on the tour, ladies, I'm just letting you know if anyone needs to go to the toilet now, do so. Anyone that doesn't need to go to the toilet for the next four and a half hours, yeah. um, do so now. Squeeze it out. I don't care how you get it out, but if you don't want to do it on the side of the road, uh, basically, here's your last chance for four and a half hours. And and that was just for a long drop somewhere, you know? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a, They just couldn't get over the... But I remember they'd send me photos when they'd go back home and they just had this thing with the... And they'd sort of walk around with these Aussie sort of Akubra <laughs> things, which weren't an Aussie Akubra at all, some sort of thing you'd find in a tourist shop yeah, from yeah, China. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've got a, an Akubra that I've had for nearly 25 years and the thing's ratty and ten. I said, that's an Akubra, you know. And uh, they they said, oh, I'll have to get one of those. And then they 334 bucks and they'll <laughs> Yeah, that. I think I've got one of the uh, the foldable cow hide ones that I've had for Is, has 20... it got the, Yeah, with the meshy type of thing around it? No, and... I've got the proper floppy oh, old yeah, one yeah, that, yeah. and it's a Bushman's. I've had it 30 years and... and uh, you can tell it's a proper one because when I've been up to places like Carrageen, even now, yep. when you go into the river in the Merchison and you jump in and it's hot, you just keep your hat on and it's all flopped over yep, your ears. Beautiful. And it's great. Oh, I love it. I love yeah. it. No, mine's an um, old, old um, stocking one and it's, a, it, it's as I said, and, the, and all the felt in it's just so old now that it just fits your head beautifully. Well, I think I've still got a stubby holder that my uncle gave me back in 81 or 82 and it's, remember the old styrofoam? Oh, yeah, because you drank heaps of beer when you were 12, yeah, didn't you? Yeah, of course, I think, yeah. <laughs> Probably did. Probably did. <laughs> they all do it here in Australia at 12. Grow up. <laughs> well, if he's going to learn, it's learning now. So there's well, when I came here, I had a really posh... So I went to private school, <laughs> so my cousins used to take the piss out of me because I used to be this very well-spoken young boy. And uh, there's an old 8 uh, 8mm film of me doing this uh, thing when I was about 10 where I did this A.A. Uh, Milne poem halfway up the stair is a stair where i sit and i watch it now and still my cousin will go to me halfway up the stair shut the fuck up <laughs> <laughs> shut the fuck up i'm 50 now give it a break you almost sound like a character i've got called uh kenny singh and he's a i love that 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 really sort of posh bbc reporter type it's a little bit like that that's know? what i had originally well here i am today yeah, in David Suffolk, and i'm here for <laughs> The Wheel of Cheese Festival That's in Suffolk. It. Yeah. <laughs> it's been rolled and won by David Davenport for five years. And David has been a cheese roller for the last 48 years. Yes. He- hello, Devon. <laughs> well, my grandfather, Archibald. <laughs> yeah. It's been a very exciting learning curve, Australia. It's yeah. been a wonderful... There's so much I haven't seen. There's so much to do. Um, but now I live here, I don't find the time. Uh, yeah, I can understand. But, I, I wonder uh, how... Do you, do you and your wife see each other? Who? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm starting to wonder, like, yeah, yeah. I see her everywhere. She's and... busier than I am. Yeah. So, uh, she's, she's very much into the performing arts. She's and... loving the acting. Yep. So uh, Australia's given us some amazing opportunities. That's the Rock brilliant. Pit's one for me and the acting for her. But, uh, no, it's been, it's been very special. So always came here. Every spare penny I had. Yep. I think I came here... Before I emigrated, I'd been here about 13 times for holidays. Wow, mm. yeah. I wish I'd kept the air miles. Well, that's why I, I actually consider myself a martial artist, because I've visited Japan now probably about nine times. <clears throat> yeah, well, I'm a that's... physical fitness instructor because I drive past a gym every day on the way to work. Wicked. Amaz- amazing. I thought you were looking good. Thanks, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I sweat just driving past. <laughs> <laughs> I, used to, I used to drive past them and I'd sort of like have this guilt complex all the time. It's like, I really need to go there. But it's like Disneyland. Oh. I really want to go to Disneyland, but I really don't want to go to Disneyland. Nah. No. And it's always shut when I go past. It's just crazy. <laughs> so you, you've, you've had that affiliation with Australia for a long time. 
There was, was there any misconceptions that you've had about Australia now that you're not a child and you're not looking through that beautiful sort of innocent young eyes of, you know, and you've been corrupted as an adult, you know, being as we all are. Is there any misconceptions that you found about Australians that you thought this is the way they are to find out? It's completely not true. Not really. No. Not not the circles I first met. Right. So, because Ramsey Street, it's, oh, been, it's not real. I've been there. I got taken oh, there. It was done great. The tour. <laughs> well, we didn't do the tour. It was quite funny. I, we we went over there for a, a, a weekend. In fact, it was the Kenny Wayne Shepherd weekend. We oh, went over there, went to St Kilda, and met a mate of mine from my hometown in Deal who lives over there now. And he went. Oh, we've got to go to Ramsey Street. Of course you do. So we drove there. It was a Sunday evening and it was getting dusk. And there's the old security guard sat there in his little hut at the end of the street going, no, we're, we're, you can't really because the residents are all there. You know, it's, yeah. it's dusk. Yeah. I'm like, no, no, no. Unless you pay make... 12 bucks to go. No, no, yeah. he's like, I'll walk with you, but you can't make any noise. We're yeah. like, Okay. Like I'm really going to listen to him. So <laughs> by the time we're we got, by, by the time, yeah, we were up at the end, up near Mrs. Mangle's house, and I really wanted to piss on her garden, but no, do you know what? I just couldn't resist singing the tune, and uh, I think I did a little live feed going, "Oh my God, I'm in Ramsey Street," and uh, yeah, well, I stood in Summer Bay going. We'll be long together, <laughs> you and I forever and ever. And then, and then the funny thing was, uh, I went back a few weeks later for another show over there on my own. My wife couldn't go and bumped into Dr. Carl Kennedy at, oh, uh, stop it. at the John Stevens show. Yeah. And I'm like, that's Dr. Carl, and he's on the other aisle from me. So I thought, well, I'm going to go for a piss, and then I'll come back and pretend I've come up the wrong aisle. <laughs> and uh, there he was singing along to every song that John was singing and he'd had a few crowny lagers and his wife took my photo with him and we swapped numbers and I got to interview him last year and we talked about his band Waiting Room which he was really excited to talk about. It's funny (laughs) because some people don't mind like when I, for example, when I've toured with some, especially the American acts they kind of don't want to know anyone in, in America and, and it's you get it from the, the the PR sort of and all that sort of stuff and they you know and managers their tour managers and all that kind of stuff you know like don't if you see someone don't ask him about personal questions yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. give you your right like you get with your interviews yeah. when you go to go on tour with them and if you're tech for them or something like that they'll say don't do this don't do that and all that kind of stuff and then so you know you sit there quiet as a mouse and then that lot of people you're gonna fucking talk man or what like yeah. oh sorry I didn't you know, like, and they're the worst ones. They, they'll you, you don't talk about this. Don't talk about, it. and then they bring it up because they want to talk about it. And you're like, mm, what do I do here? I've been told not to. Oh, the big one was with a certain um, certain artist that sort of got the tag up there. Oh yeah, don't um, ask him about his band. Oh really? <laughs> oh yeah, big time. So <coughs> yeah, yeah. But um, he, 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 which I didn't because I, you know, I, I actually toured with that fella not knowing who he was until halfway through the tour and the penny drop. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the funny thing is with uh, with Alan uh, Alan Fletcher is he actually introduces himself as hi, this is Alan Fletcher, aka Dr. Carl Kennedy. It's like a second name. Yep. And yeah, it's just strange in a nice way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As soon as he heard the accent, he was like, "Oh, English guy." Right. Yeah, yeah. And then I said, "Oh, can we, I do a, I do I work I write for a rock," and he's like, "Where are you going with this?" I went, "You were in a bank of waiting room." He went, we were. And I said, can we chat about that one day? He went, oh, mate, I'd love to. Yeah, because he did. probably has never been asked about it. It's all about his character. Yeah. And and you know what I find with major um, media types, and we've got so off topic about, well, I suppose <laughs> we're still sort of talking about you, is um, the, 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 the cookie-cutter interview. Yeah, yeah, 
So it doesn't matter what channel you watch on the same bloke, you're going to watch the same interview. Yeah. And it's like this podcast. I didn't want to talk about who are your influences, who are your, you know, what bands inspired you if I have a band in or something like that. It's yeah. like, tell me the most stupid thing you've ever done on the road, you know, or tell me the time. Has anyone here had a fight against each other? Yeah, What's yeah. that? Who did, what, what, why, why did that happen? You yeah. know? And they're like, these are really cool questions. We don't often talk about that, you know. So. And that's what I do. I, I, obviously, we have to talk about an album or a tour. or a, Yeah, yeah, of but course. do you know what? I know in my mind that they've answered 10 of them today. Yep. Yep. Let's get on to something else. Let's yeah. find something that you haven't talked about or something that I might know from being English that... Aussie interviewers would not know. Well, it helps you know. to do your research. And, and the thing is, I, I'd done my research on you and what I found out was I did not know that you were in um, the SEAL Team 5. No, well, that's a big, quiet thing. We don't do we talk. have to still keep that quiet? You yeah, can't release not it? now. You're actually uh, employed by the American government yeah. as an undercover operative. Two years' time, we're allowed to release that when they bring out about the UFOs. Yep. But other than that. We can't talk about it. No. So, that's all right. Just cut it out because we're not live or anything. Anyway, <coughs> so yeah, okay. <laughs> this now, is a bit awkward. Yeah, yeah. Sorry to bring that up. I didn't. Mean, I really didn't mean to. That's I'd, fine. That's I'm fine. sorry about that. That's I, why you never see me at half the gigs because I'm in cam, camoed up. And yeah, yeah. That's why. Yeah, and that's why they have to superimpose you on. <laughs> Yeah. You're actually there, but because of the ke- brilliant camouflage technique you've been taught in that uh, governmental organisation that I'm not men- mentioning. Electric State, they actually superimpose me at other venues so people think I'm there instead. But if you yeah. actually look, you're actually there, but you can't. You're, you're almost like the uh, <laughs> you're almost like the predator with that suit that he wears that goes invisible. Exactly, and I've got green blood, so it's yeah. it's very similar. Wow. Very similar. I oh, know. Yeah, so we've gone that up. well off topic. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's that's welcome to Stack's podcast. Fantastic. That's what I love, <laughs> randomness. Wait, did you ever play sport? Yeah, or you know footy or yeah, you're I a soccer soccer, player? I was a goalkeeper, yeah. A yeah. goalkeeper. Goalkeeper, yeah. Oh, my brother was a very good goalkeeper. Oh, okay. Played with Perth Glory and a few other clubs. No, yeah. I played here for a season for Wannery British years ago in the nineties, yep. yeah. Stuck in the reserves, which was lovely, where we all just uh, got hammered and had a great time and, and then got pushed into the first team for a few games, which was a bit like, Oh, I didn't really come here for this. I just uh, was enjoying my reserves time. And, yeah, but it was great. Yep. So yeah, we got runners up that very year. Competitive, got, yeah, very competitive, actually. This very, very good. And I, I noticed you called it soccer. You're one of the few. Uh, I have now. Yeah, you, uh, you've definitely. Oh, you're wearing an Australian flag on your you now. I've, I've got the citizenship, and it, it was almost like I woke up the next morning and started saying yogurt. I don't know what happened. It just <laughs> gone like that. Data. Yogurt. So when you, when you did your citizenship test, because mm. that's one of the questions, isn't it? Can you please pronounce? Or can you please tell me the word for that the, the world game that involves the round ball, eleven players, yeah, and nets and a goalkeeper. And, and I said soccer, and we were in. Uh, yeah, you've passed. Yeah, yeah. And I had to say uh, project. There was other words. Project. Data, Not project. Yeah. Data. Yeah. Yo- yogurt was the one. The, uh, there were two people who got rejected that night for saying yogurt. Yep. So sad. They took him straight off to the airport. Gone. Can I let you in on something? They don't go back home. Oh, don't they? Where they go? Oh, I can't mention that. To a yogurt factory. <laughs> no, turned into no. Peach Melba. They, they become the yogurt. Yeah. <laughs> so I can just picture l- these people. L- little little bit of soccer, mate. So, what's your claim to fame? What was your best game that you had? Did you ever? Uh, did you ever? <clears throat> tell me about the time you got best and fairest for saving all. Have you seen that that thing on YouTube with the with the? And it's Danny Walling or whatever he's doing. He saved the goal again yeah. with his face. Well, you know? we started. Um, I started a club. So we. I came back from Australia in about. 99 I'd been on holiday and a mate of mine had bought a pub so we decided to start a team up and we uh, we were there for one year my mate 
I can't remember what happened. He, d- he didn't stay with the pub long. and So we moved the team to another a pub called the Lord Clyde. Yep. And uh, all the teams in the town... I mean, the league had been going since 1929. So it was an old league, a lot of history. All the old silverware was old, hand-engraved silverware, beautiful cups. But we were in the bottom division. We were pretty shit. And, um, but what we started doing was we had a really good social side of it. So I always had this vision of... They're all boring names like Deal United and and North Deal. And I said, let's have something with a bit of humour. So we were Clyde Cosmos. And I said, let's do this thing. Yeah, yeah. So 2000, there was no LA Galaxy in that at the time. Yep. So we had Clyde Cosmos and um, we uh, we got promotion. And then we went up to the Middle League. And then we got to the Premier League with all the big boys where all the local soccer players that played decent level were. Yep. Uh, and they kind of got what we were doing at the club and a lot of them signed for us over the next couple of years and then we became the first club in the league history to win the treble back to back and then we ended up winning the premier title five years in a row so it was um and were you keeper during this i kept for three of those years um and then i took a bit of a back seat and helped a bit more with the management side all through that time i was the club secretary and treasurer and basically ran everything we so, had the best. So all the clubs had gone back to presentation nights where it was sandwiches on the bar. The old days when I was growing up, the presentation nights were sit-downs for 200 people, a live band or a DJ in a big hall. And I brought that back. So Cosmos, it was like, right, we're doing it proper. We did proper awards. The league hated us because we won everything. Yeah. And they, they, they always wanted to try and elevate you to be proper and run the club proper. But when we got to that level, they were like, oh, they're winning everything now. So to piss them off even more at the presentation, I'd give the committee some tickets and go, uh, we'd like you to be guests of us. And they couldn't turn them down because they'd look silly. So they'd turn up and, and then we'd have bouquets of flowers for their wives. And then we had money in the bank. We had big, brilliant fine systems. So, you know, there was... We just, at one point, we had like £2,000 in the bank. So basically, you were, you were richer than um, uh, <laughs> the Newcastle Jets. The, we were. Yeah. We were. And And... and that really annoyed and so then it turned around that the committee would go the next year they'd be like oh where's your uh, where's your dinner and dance this year we're like oh we got it hole in the roof yep. well how many tickets you got oh we've only got 110 this year that's it capped off uh can i be put forward to be the guest of honor from the league and we're like yeah, yeah i'll sort you out some tickets and then their wife would turn up and you know, we used to buy them a bottle of wine and beautiful there'd be joke awards for the, the yep. idiots of the year and you know one guy Used to miss a hatful of goals, so when he got this miss of the year trophy, he had to walk up to missed again by uh, Phil Collins. So it's like, <laughs> I missed again. It's like, ah, oh, we did that on all of them. But um, oh, it was fantastic. I'm surprised he didn't have a trophy with a big set of hands with all the fingers missing off them, you know? Like... Oh, don't. One year, <laughs> one year I had an absolute howler. We'd already won the league and it was near the end of the season. And we won 5 4, but I let four awful goals in. And Apparently, as we were walking off the pitch, a couple of the guys was going, "What was up with you today?" I was like, "I'm getting my fucking carpets fitted, and I can't, I can't get that out of my head. It's been on my mind. The carpet fit is coming." <laughs> and they're like, "It was just an excuse, first excuse." First, come first world problem. So of course, own. I sorted out all the joke awards every year, so yep. no one could ever stitch me up. Yep. Oh yeah, the twats got me. They put two glove, a pair of brand new gloves with carpet put on the hands of the gloves as a gift. So. Yes, they, they bastards. But I, yeah, that I was played good fun. For, for a local league club over here, and I used to do the same thing. It was, I think we we're very similar in a lot of ways with yeah, our yeah, personality. Yeah. And I, I'd done that too because I just you need a laugh. You need you otherwise those presentations are the most boring event you'll ever yeah. go to. And know? everyone used to clamber. We yeah. we had we we had people that would 
couldn't come from other clubs would want to come to the dinner because yeah. they knew it was hilarious. We'd put good raffle prizes up. All the local businesses would throw in, restaurants would throw in like meal vouchers and things like that for the raffle. So the raffle would take two or three hundred quid and, and you'd be like, whoa, this well, goes straight back in. I mean, the English have got a great culture of... Drinking. No, well, yeah, but... <laughs> They've got to, like, you look at the things that go on in pubs, raffles, and the, and the shenanigans that goes on, and they've, they know how to have fun. Yeah. And I must admit, Australian pubs, and it's our culture where blokes look down at each other and the, their whole culture's been built around, I reckon I could take that bloke. All right, I'll fucking smash him. So no one talks to each other in a bar. Mm. Then about 12 beers in, everyone's best mates. Then it's on in the car park at the end of the night. And it's yeah. where you don't get that in English pubs. And I've been overseas to other other pubs. Totally different. They know how to have fun. It's like, oh, sorry, mate, no worries. Yeah, yeah, all yeah, that kind yeah. of stuff. You look what's going on here and it's just like, guys, you've got to learn to relax and have fun. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, it's sort of, it's full on. But uh, Yeah, we had a good laugh. It was a good year. We had 10 years of that, <clears throat> of that club and then we wound it up. But... Uh, yeah, it was good fun. Excellent. Did you? Just then I went into management. Well, you went into management. Did a bit of managing, managing teams. Yeah. Yes, have you got a set of Roosh gloves tucked away anywhere? still today. There is a set of gloves <laughs> and some, and there are some boots still, still immaculately boots. cleaned at home with a full goalkeeper kit that just about fits. There's not, there's not uh, old Shawnee Bennett experience getting out there with nah. the old, the old shorts and the because the socks I look, pulled right up I look amazing in the kit, but yep. the hamstrings are just not interested. Just diving around the house, going Sean Bennett yeah, from Twelve Hours taking it perfectly. There's no diving around <laughs> unless I trip over the dog. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a case of ten, 10 glorious years of three or four barren years, and then and then we had those glory years, which were wonderful. Yeah. Oh, brilliant! So the, the, I don't know why I asked that question yeah. actually about this bit of a sport. But I walked away, and then about two or three years later, a young club that I remember up and coming when we were winning everything, um, excuse me, approached and said. Um, would you be interested in managing? And I'd, I'd managed my local town reserve side, so at Kent level, Kent, Kent. You'd have been fairly level. young doing that too. <coughs> yeah? like when I say fairly young, like uh, what was that? Would have been two thousand or oh, yeah, maybe. Well, maybe. hang on. So you went back home in that period of time? No, no, no. I was still at home. We hadn't emigrated then, so yep. yeah, back. I was still. Well, I say home. I was in England at that time. Yeah, yeah. And then the management thing was, uh, yeah, these young guys were like, yeah, we. Uh, we're close to winning things. Would you? We just need someone to steer the ship. And yep. Yeah, and we won the. They won the premiership three years in a row. As we, a manager, do you fun. get to have a bit of input as to what goes on on the park? Or well, that was my whole role. Was oh, running really? the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess you. I yeah, because what we call manager is more team management coach. as opposed to. Yeah. So I was yeah. coach. So I was. Um, I was the team coach. So I picked the side. Picked the tactics. Yeah, and I it was find good fun. My, one thing I found with my brother and that, watching him all over because he was a full time career goalkeeper was obviously you're the man at the back, like a fullback in, in rugby league. Um, seeing the play happen before... And you actually get a very good perspective about the game. Yeah. Because you you actually spend a lot of time watching unless your team's that bad that you spend a lot of time keeping, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So I guess you get to watch a lot of the, a lot of the uh, action going on and you see plays that the players aren't seeing because they're watching who they're marking up or they're, you know, yeah. they're, they're looking for a long ball that they've got to try and stymie if they're a back or they're, you know, in the, in the midfield or something like that. And then, or if they're a forward, they're, they're checking if they're offside half the yeah, time. Yeah. So they, they don't get to sit there and observe the game yeah. from a keeper's perspective. Well, I remember we had all the guys around a, a meeting around my house and, and it was a case of deciding whether I was going to do it. And it was, <clears throat> it was guys, there's one thing we need to do. And I, I want to bring three players in and I don't want to disrupt your side because this is your team. But yep. I want three players, and I brought three of my best mates in. We were really experienced players, yeah. yeah. And uh, they um, they stayed with the team for those three years, and, and they were 
essentials really yeah without them I don't think we'd have just had that edge over the over the line but uh, well I played a pretty high level of rugby league and it always bailed bailed boiled bailed bailed, bailed, have another one have another another one (laughs) it always boiled down to like a couple of the you always had you needed a good a really good halfback need a, a good hooker and a good fullback you know and if you had those essentially I was always a forward so we were just dime a dozen you just got to catch the ball hold on and run you know like, <laughs> but um, I mean we had our pur- purpose as well but if you wanted to score tries which is the aim of the game you needed these guys so they were kind of like you know, a good centre forward yeah. a good midfielder yeah and, and, good centre back yeah and a good yeah. centre back you know yeah. or a sweeper we like to call Your it a spine of the side yeah, yeah exactly and, and, and that's at every level I think you know it's, it's you see it at Premier League level with Man City and Liverpool and you know that the, the Who do you follow in the Premier Liverpool. League? Liverpool, Liverpool supporters. Yeah, my yeah. brother's a massive. I had thirty barren years, and then we won it, and then now another thirty, 30 barren years. 30 to years. But you know what? They're still probably the most popular, or am I way wrong? <coughs> Internationally, I think Liverpool's got a huge following. Probably United still shade it because Asia they are huge. The following in Asia, but Liverpool got massive, massive following over there. My brother went over there with a dream to play for Liverpool. Oh, really? Yeah, he, he played with Manchester City but didn't get much of a run. You know how it works. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's about 18th string goalkeeper, but he's on the books and he's training. And uh, I think he was like third in line. Oh, I think cool. Mark Schwartz was there at the time. Yeah. So, but he learned a lot off Mark. And then um, he ended up playing for – because they, they, they billeted him out to clubs as well in yeah, the lower yeah. grades. So he played a bit with Cardiff and Barnsley. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah a good level. Yeah, so it was uh, played a lot for them and got a start just to keep him fresh in case he was called up for whatever reason. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, he oh, lived over there cool. for a few years playing, and yeah, yeah it was. Uh, yes, yeah, so I, I know quite a bit about the game just duly watching my brother's career all those years. Uh, yeah, I yeah. must admit uh, my interest diminished since I emigrated. So the late nights, uh, you know, we we emigrate here and then. Oh, I'm going to get Foxtel and I'm going to sit up and watch every game. And I did for the first two seasons, and it's like and that happens. It even Meh. happens here if you're here. I mean, I'm the bloke that used to stand on the hill having a beer with the old fellas that used to play. Same, same old conversation. These young folks don't know how to play. Friggin' hopeless, you know? Yeah. Don't know how to run, don't know how to tackle, blah, 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 ripping them off all afternoon. Yeah. To sitting there in front of the TV watching the NRL now going, doing the same thing by myself. Yeah. Sad existence. Well, I, I'm in old Quinns, <laughs> so, you know, when when the season is on, I don't mind having a little uh, five-minute stroll up to watch Quinns play and yep. have a couple of stubbies at the clubhouse, which is always great. There's actually a good musician by the name of Pete Ashton, who you may remember, pl- I think he played for Quinns. Oh, OK. Pete Ashton, yeah. Um, I don't know how good he was. He he was a good muser, so okay. he may have been a good soccer player. I'm not too sure. Dexterous. Very dexterous, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, really glad to hear that. Now, what about outside of that? What have you got? What's what's a weird hobby that you've never told anyone you got? Um, oh. pottery, pottery, Sean. Do you know what? I haven't really got a weird hobby, and I've not really ever had one. Yeah. Um, I've always kept myself fairly busy with things. So soccer took up a massive part of my life. So you invest yourself <clears throat> heavily into what I into do. What so do. and yeah. now it's rock pit and the music thing which I never thought I'd ever do. So that's literally work rock pit. Work rock pit. Have you gigs. ever been in a band? No. So um purely a fan's perspective and pur- purely a fan's perspective. I can a karaoke I can, king, I can right? hold a note. Yep. Uh and when I was in the UK you could not get me off from being up in front of 500 people. 
at the, at the karaoke. So can, we tu- can we touch on that karaoke? Yeah, we, we can. It was quite amusing. Yeah. So you said you won some uh, a substantial amount of money. Is yeah, that I did. It was. Uh, so we had applied to come here yep. for our immigration, which isn't cheap. Yep. And we had to uh, get our medicals done. So that was my wife and my stepson and me. And it came out to be around six hundred pounds, about twelve hundred bucks at the time. And uh, one of the big pubs in in the town called the Hole in the Roof held an annual karaoke competition. I used to get up and warble my little set list of songs in front of my mates when we were out and there's karaoke on. Or if we were away for a Bucks do in somewhere like Newquay, they'd be like, I'd be having a drink and suddenly it'd come on the thing. Uh, next up we got Sean. I'd be like, I haven't even fucking put one in. And they'd be like, hey! <laughs> you get up there so, and I'd just pick songs that you could just sing the first line and get the whole pub to sing. Great so, idea. Yeah, it yeah. works for you. So, Sweet um, Caroline, here we go. Oh, there's so many of them. So it was a ca- <laughs> case of... Shall I go in for it? And um, the girl that used to win all of them, she was in it, and I thought, oh, I'm never going to beat her because she was fantastic. She won all the local ones, so it was over a course of about six weeks. So you had to get through to the oh, next right. round. So, yeah, so it wasn't heaps, on yeah. the night. Yeah. Yep. So I can't remember the first one I sung. I turned up the first night, and it was a Thursday. I always remember it was a Thursday night. So it was like, oh shit, it's a school night. So I can't even get tanked because I got work the next morning. So I, I really can't remember. I do remember that they told you in the start you could not repeat your songs through the, the whole competition. Oh, so every night you had, had to, to do be a different, different song. song. Yeah, right. No, 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 no. Not the girl who used to win all those. She doubled up on our first songs. I'm like, hang on. Oh, no, that's not what we said. So she oh. pulled out Dolly Parton's I Will oh. Always Love You every night? Every night, yeah. Jeez, that'd be hard to take. It would have been easy to do Robbie there's Williams' of, Angels there's, every there's night. There's a lot of glass in that place where you could end it quickly, <laughs> you know. Like, yeah. I mean, she was great. But yeah. so... Yeah, first round got through. Um, was, I think it was about 12 in the first round. And the top two got through or three or something. And got called back for the quarterfinals and then the semifinals and then the final. And uh, I remember walking in the pub for the final and there must have been about 100 of my mates. I didn't even know they were coming. They'd just taken over the back corner of the pub. And, um, yeah, it was, it was... But I had no fear then. I didn't. I had a lot of confidence. I didn't, no, you had a right squad did, there to make sure you won. I loved being up in front of everyone. I loved being the arse. Yeah, I loved being the yeah. centre of attention. Yeah. Now, I'm terrified. I get absolutely terrified. Since you got to Australia? Yeah. Wow, okay. Since that final, I've probably sung four times. I'm in, terrified. In front of people? Yeah. Karaoke? Yeah. Right. Terrified. Yep. I get pit, pits in my stomach, get nervous, shake. My voice shakes. Terrified. And I know I'm being stitched up in a couple of weeks' time. I know it's coming. I know it's coming. 1st of April. Right, then the big Mm. question, what was the song that you sung to win this competition? So, we had to sing three. We had to sing two in the final. Yep. And then the final two that got through had to sing another song. So, I was known in the town for Angels. Robbie Williams' Angels is a classic. Easy. The Angels. No, Robbie Williams' Angels. It's an easy one. You sing the first line and get everyone to sing it um, and then sing the chorus. So I sung through the. No, Gold, Spandau Ballet was my first song. Another one you get everyone to sing. Always believe it. Everyone loves it. So they sing louder than you and they can't hear you. So that's fine. Brilliant. Great time. Then we had a problem. Do I go with Angels? So my sister came up. She was there. She went. Well, what happens if if you don't sing it now, which is your song, what if you don't get through to the final, to the final song? So she was essentially your coach. She was my mentor. Yeah. So she went, I reckon you should sing it now. And then... She's the karaoke whisperer. If you don't get through, at least you've sung it. 
Yeah. And you've given it your best song. So Great advice. Did it. Uh, stormed it. Got through to the final. And now I've got a problem. You don't know what I've to sing. Played my, I've played my trump card. <laughs> I'm like, shit. And back then, I remember having the old Nokia. Yep. That's about the same size as a harmonica. Yep. And I can do a pretty good piano, man. Oh, so <clears throat> out came the old harmonica, the, the phone, in front of the microphone, the four judges in front. With the lights, they couldn't see it was a phone. So when Piano Man starts, <laughs> was, I give it the, the whole thing. It was the Nokia 6210, wasn't and it? It was. <laughs> and that, these judges were all looking up going, he's playing the harmonica. And I nailed it until about halfway through and I forgot to play a bit. And then they realised. Then I did the old, hey, hey it's uh, a phone. Yeah. And um, again, beautiful chorus. Everyone sings along. The whole pub, even the girl I was against, her crew was singing along. Beautiful. To the uh, la da 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 Was she doing the prima donna thing and looking Shh. at her friends going, why, why are you doing this? You no, know? but the best bit was I got off stage and it was £500 first prize. Second prize was 250 She came straight up to me. She'd sung hers and she nailed it. Yeah. But she had to read every word off the auto cue. I didn't. I knew Piano Man. Yeah. So I performed mine to the crowd. And uh, she came straight up. She went, I reckon we should put the money together. Yeah, and split and it. split it. Yeah. My sister comes storming up and went, you can fuck off. He's won this. <laughs> and I was like, oh, someone's had a drink. Yeah. And um, yeah, they announced it. And that was it. I was blown away. It was It was just... And that was perfect. Perfect time. Couldn't believe it. Went straight home. My wife didn't come. She didn't come to the final. I walked in. I remember waking her up by banging the envelope on her face and going, guess what that is? And she's like... Oh, oh. And, that's our medical money. That's the money for the medical. And uh, she woke up. She couldn't believe it. And that was it. I've not really sung since after that. That was about 11 years ago. So so <coughs> the word on the street is something's in the pipeline. There is, apparently. Electric State are involved. As, <laughs> what a surprise. And the Hunter Brothers are involved. What a surprise. I'll tell you what, those two fellas are awesome as well. They are funny. Yeah. So they, there's, um, there's something a-brewing. Um, I believe... The woman who does the karaoke at the Baltimore is involved uh, setting up a young, karaoke Young thing. Joy. Yes, yeah. I believe she now, will be making that. Is appearance. this why there's this immense brotherly love between you and Rob Viney being a, uh, a a massive fan of the art of karaoke himself, you know? Well, yeah. I, I don't know. I've never sung in front of him. And do you know what karaoke means in Japanese? No. Open mic. Oh, okay. Mm. Uh, but since then I have sung. Uh, I'm on the new uh, Electric State single. Oh. I'm on the backing vocals. Beautiful. He phoned me up one day, Sunday. What are you up to? Nothing. Actually, now you say that, I listened to it. Now, could he hear you singing Piano Man? Get out, get out. Yeah, Yeah, I can hear you singing Piano Man through Get Out, Get Out. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm singing Angels over his. Yeah, yeah. uh, yeah, I thought that was brilliant. I thought it was a great touch. I I didn't know who that was. That's me and Amber Merritt doing the (laughs) Get Out, Get Out, Get Out. And it, uh, yeah, it's great. So that was an absolute honour to be asked to. I just uh, love Rob. He's just so not into himself. You know what I mean? Like They're so grounded. Yeah. And, 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 you know, jazz and a lot, the whole lot of them and, and you know, Paul and... I actually, a bit of history about that. I actually tried out for Rob's band on bass. Oh, OK. Yeah, and I'm going to... Rob probably has never heard this, but they got this, oh, you know the songs, right? I'm like, yeah, 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 because I'm usually just, just playing, I'll, I'll play. I had no idea what they were doing. <laughs> and, and I look like a complete twat. I walked in there with me, Gens Benz, 1200 GB. It was the only bass amp I had at the time. A big eight stack, and I walked in, these guys looking at me going, what the fuck <laughs> is this? Hang on, boys. Yeah, they said, oh, you've been practicing? Yeah, mate, all good to go. You played a bit of music before? Yeah, mate, I've been around the traps. Played with such and such and this and that. And they're going, yep, this guy's a complete fucking idiot. You know? 
And, and I could feel that vibe, you know. You could see him looking at each other going, all right. And then Rusty was in another band um, with a very interesting English cat at, at the front of it by the name of Michael. And he was playing in this band. I think they called themselves... And I'll have to show you this thing called Dollis that Rusty and I jammed together and I put it together with this guy. we just done it on the spot. And it's this song called Dollis because oh, I just decided to call it Dollis. Yeah. And I've got all these just – the whole film clip is just nuclear explosions. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it is, nuclear explosions in slow motion. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, it's, it's completely weird. But um, So I had that affiliation with Rusty as well. And then when I pulled Pete into Kibashi, he goes – yeah, I know, Rusty, I work with him. And I'm like, ah. how ancestral is it here in Perth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, then I seen Rob, and Rob had this awkward thing like, oh, yeah, we never called you back. Uh, oh. uh, sorry, man. I went, that's nah, fucking cool, man. Like, I, I've got no dramas there, you know. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah, walked yeah. away from that going, fuck, you're an idiot. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> they were really good because I didn't know where they were at. And I've seen Rob, and I thought, okay, these guys are pretty fresh. That, you know, they don't, they, yeah, you know, I'll just wing it and I'll be fine. Yeah. And then I just, they were great musicians and I just sat there and looked like a complete fucking idiot. Like, yeah. yeah. And do you know what the thing that sums up them, and I said this to them the other night, and I, I, I look at every band like this, whether it's a huge international act yep. and whether it's a local band, if the band look like they're having fun, they might, might not be putting the best performance on. Spot. But if they're having their best, if Blind they're spot. up there enjoying themselves and making sure the crowd have the, have, have the fun. I've seen shows where I've watched... And I'll, I'm, I'm going to name Iron Maiden here, who are my favourite, have been one of my favourites for so long. Yeah. They're perfect when they play live. Yeah. But do you know what? Sometimes they're too perfect. It's like a machine. Yes. You yep. watch their set list, it's the same. Yep. Everything's computerised with yep. the set. There's nothing against them. It's a multi-million dollar machine. Um, when you go, you want to hear The Trooper. You want to hear Run to the Hills. And they play that every single night. And I know they've got lighting that's computerised and special effects and Eddie coming out, but it sometimes just feels like they probably don't know what city they're in half the time. Um, whereas you take a band like Ashes of Autumn, Electric State, uh, there's so many to mention. They engage with the audience. Yeah. They might not put their best performance in in their own eyes, but if they look like they're out there and they want to do it, Jesus Christ, do I've, I want to be watching I've played in it? bands where people are really down about like missing a note and it's ruined their night and I'm yeah. like what the f I mean we did a, that, that Christmas gig two of the guys in our band were completely and utterly blind drunk but that was the idea of that Christmas show was yeah, not, yeah, yeah. you're not going to get the best from the bands it's a it's a it, it was it it's was a Christmas drunk and it's it's us catching up and we get to play and play drunk it was a Christmas party jam jam it, that's what yeah. it, but it kind of got into this oh my god ashes of autumn are here oh my god electric like that lineup oh it's brilliant was quality you know yeah, like yeah, yeah. spud gun us ashes of autumn and all that so all of a sudden everyone started going we better put in our best show all these awesome bands are here. And it kind of lost what the whole thing yeah, was meant yeah, to be. Yeah. And it was meant to be, I get up with Blindspot and try and play a song in a completely inebriated state, make an absolute mess of it, and it's fucking hilarious. What's the yeah. uh, the punk band I love? Jamie Buchanan's band. Oh, yeah. Um, I always forget. Uh, uh, sorry. Uh, it's just... It's that complete, incomplete. Incomplete. Yep. The best Christmas song of the night. Oh, they nailed it. Hey, Santa Claus, yeah, yeah. Nailed it. it. How good was it? I went straight up to Martha's and you've won the best Christmas song so, of the night by far, and I haven't heard anyone else's. Nah. And uh, they, yeah, another band who put it in 
a hundred percent every time they're up there. I've not seen them. I've never seen them and walked away going, oh, that no. was a bit. Th-. They're they're very and, and poor Jamie. Like he's he's I think he's close to our age, and if not, he might even be a year or two older. But he um he's one of those guys that you do see Jamie quite a lot trying to jump on on the bill and all that kind of stuff because they're kind of they've, they've been ignored mm. and and I find that there's a young fellas coming through and, and this is where Perth is clicky and but Jamie's part of this this if, if you were to say well we've got our scene as well you know and the thing is we're not all the same genre but it's no. our scene yeah um where we're playing with incomplete we're playing with the ashes of autumn who are different to kabashi who are different to blind spot who are different to um uh, uh extortion yeah, extortion's like Limp Biscuit, you know. Yet then they're doing a gig with us, and you got Blind Spot, you know. And yeah, well, yeah, it's yeah. you know Aaron playing in about twelve different bands, yeah. but <laughs> yes. you know. And then you might have um, the, the Wolf Bats, you know. Like you've got all this. We're all completely different, but because we're, we're friends, they make a good night because it's it's you're not stuck with four. I've been to many gigs where it's four bands that sound exactly like yeah, each other. You don't need that. Great musicians, don't get me wrong, but <clears> once again, the the way bills are set up and. It's kind of where the, the way promotion's gone, and I know you guys do it different, but where promoters often will say to the lead band on that night, bring three people with you, which is a bit of a dire mistake because it's not, in fact, promoting. It's It's been a bit lazy. Yeah. It's just filling the holes. Yeah. And the bands will do it because they hang out in that scene and they know those guys, therefore, you know, you'll have that. But... Uh, that crew is, is all diverse. There's not one band in that that sort of that was on that night that sound anything like each other. No, yeah, no. And it's difficult because you do want a night of bands to flow in the way that you want the band that's on first. You don't want their mates just turning up and clearing off. You want them to hear enough of the second band to go, well, this is bloody good. I'm staying for this one. And then the third one flows in. Um Sometimes it can be a bit too diverse where someone will go, ooh, I don't like that, and they'll yeah, leave. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You need to try and keep them there um, or else you get that horrible thing we've seen before where the last band comes on and everyone's buggered off. You can tell Which, a story about that one night. I, I had that happen down the basement and it was just a little gig and it was with um, back back when I was with Blackjack and we supported... Um, I don't know who it was, but it, it could have been someone like a devil's child or something like that. Or we, but we were put on at the last, and it might have been early days for those guys. But it was someone like it could have even been them from memory. Oh wow! But um, I think Pete Burke was involved with another band as well, and he's an old metal guy from Perth for for years. And everyone started to leave, and I've just got on the microphone. And I've called everyone out. I went, "What the fuck's happening here, team? Mm. We didn't turn up for you fuckers to walk out. <clears throat> no, get your asses back in here and listen to us, motherfuckers. Get your asses in here now." And I was expletive, and I, yeah, yeah. you, yes, you. Get your ass, sit down the front and show some respect and get there and just listen to us. Yeah. And they all sort of looked at us and went, they've never had, had anyone speak to them like that before. Yeah. Right, you're going to fucking listen to us. Sit down, shut up, get a, go get a beer, sit down and fucking listen to what we've got to do. Yeah, yeah. And then we played our asses out and, like, and a few guys went up and said, oh, man, that was fucking awesome. Yeah. Well, where were you going? Oh, we're just going to go home. Yeah. So the last, uh, the yeah. EP launch we did for Silent Deeds at Lyrics Underground we decided to go back to the old school way of it was the Silent Deeds headlining night. It was yep. their EP launch. Let them close the night. Exactly. So what we did was we had a three-band lineup. We have an acoustic girl kicked off. <clears throat> we had the wonderful Ezra Tide, who I love, yeah, yeah. Um, on next. And then the Deeds played an extended set. Um, 
you know, we looked at what time the curfew was and we decided to knock off 40 minutes before the end of curfew. Great idea, so they can, so they with the can have a, ba- a beer with the people. That's right. And that's the worst thing. The headline band walks off and everyone's buggered off. Yep. Uh, or another band, someone like Spud Gun, have come on in the past at Amps and everyone's clearing off. And I'm like, you know, these guys are going to work just as hard, if not as harder than anyone else. And a great product. And everyone's going home because it's too late so we went for that and it worked the deeds finished their set they came off they managed to have a few beers with everyone before everyone cleared off and you know they got to hang around the merch table sell a couple of copies of the EP and and just generally have a beer and a chat to those that that come and that's very important for the band as well because that that camaraderie at the end and, and people just coming up and it works two ways one, the punters that have been there are not walking out the door with actually being able to go up and say, man, I loved your set. Yeah. Because they, they genuinely want to meet some of these guys. That they say, oh, I have people coming up after our gigs and they're like, oh, dude, we, we kind of didn't know what to expect when you guys walked out on stage. And we're just like, holy shit. A little bit like yourself when you watch it for the first time. Yeah. And we, you know, we thought, oh, here we go, you know, and we, we do what we do and people don't expect that from us. No. So they're walking out going, oh, here's a couple of big fat bastards that are, Looks like they're going to play the same ACDC shit. Then we bring out Kabashi and yeah, like, yeah, yeah. holy fuck, you know. And we, I've seen that happen to other bands too, which you can tell these guys have never seen these guys before. Spudgun is another one. I've seen them play and people are like, holy shit, look at this show. Yeah. And from that, they want to go up and speak to them and just talk and just go, man. I'll, and so the bands get that back and they're, they're, they're getting their, 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 their feathers rustled a bit, you know, by going... Thanks, man, and it's yeah. pumping them Better up a confidence. little bit. That confidence, yeah. but I mean, we didn't get that because I'm probably one of the most confident motherfuckers on the planet. But it was more. I love to have a chat to people and just because I, I like people. Yeah, and we're not that superstar that have people just bullshit in our ear all night but, and wanting to hang around us because <clears> we're Led Zeppelin or you know we're, we're an Iron Maiden and I want to be near Bruce Dickinson. Yeah, people come up because those people that do come up because we're nobodies, and are genuine, are, and, and you owe them twenty bucks or something. Well, well, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> like yourself, you know, like tonight. I mean, will you take a bank transfer? I'm out of cash for oh, tonight. Oh, I thought it had already gone through. My agent said it had. Well. Oh, this is another awkward moment. Just we're full of awkward moments tonight. Yeah. Oh, yeah, especially with the locked door, which I've just remembered. Well, no, that's the ultimate awkward <laughs> moment. And the only reason, <laughs> the only reason, Sean, it's going to be awkward is I've ran out of lube. Oh, oh well. <laughs> Hey, again. <laughs> where there's a will, yeah. or a willy, there's a way. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, but, um, uh, so what's the, what's the, what's the plans for? Is is the rock fit going to grow? Is it going to become a? Have you got expansion on in mind as far <clears> as <throat> yeah. what, what you're going to offer or what you do? Or are you going to stick to your lane that you're in now and just let it develop? Or? So we've obviously started since I've been with it. The last three years, I mean, the guys. So the rock pit's twelve years old this year. Yep. Mark Diggins started it. 12 years ago Andy Massey joined two years later yep. uh, and and then I've been in for about three years now yep. so we're certainly starting to move forward so, we, the so YouTube... Dicko's not a part of it anymore is he? He's No it's just no. us three Cause it, Yeah I remember seeing him around a lot in the day I was wondering what he was, who, what, who he was Just us three um, and I sort of came on the scene pretty quick I sort of appeared bang everyone's like Who's Well you? we've always heard you come pretty quick Yeah so. that's it yeah. <laughs> Why waste time? Just think, <laughs> I've got too many gigs to watch You're not there for a haircut <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we're looking to push a little bit more video content um, yep. to move with the times. We still get around about three hundred and fifty thousand readers a month. 
uh, on the site read wow. the articles yeah it's wow. a big and when you think there's really only the three of us we do have other writers but predominantly it's the three of us doing the interviews and the reviews um, it's a lot of work but you know what people still want to read the transcripts they love those old transcripts you know they're sitting on the shit of what am I going to do for 10 minutes they sit and read the transcripts um, yep. we're still very high on Yahoo if you or Google if you type in interview with Susie Quattro will be in the top two or three so it's you know it's it's good it's and that's a testament to Andrew Massey the work he puts into those um, social media sites the website every day and yeah. he works yep. you know we all work full time it's just uh, it is I'm not playing the sob story it's it's it is a lot of work and I'm desk based so I'm staring at a screen all day working I come home and I have to stare at a screen all night typing up my interviews but the passion for doing it is just second to none I did a series of mock podcasts for the um, the Scudley show and, and if you are listening anyone and not sure what that is if you go to um, you'll see all the Stacks podcasts but then you'll see Stacks radio and it's kind of me doing all these different characters where Ozzy Osbourne will ring yeah, yeah, yeah. and all that kind of stuff and it's it's kind of like my normal stack show but I'm, I'm, I'm talking to like Arnold Schwarzenegger and um, uh, Jesse the Body Ventura and all these <laughs> you know like actually I think he I, th- I thought I saw him is he, is he here? What do you mean am I here? Like I'm a six foot four individual that fought in two Vietnam wars <laughs> And you hung out with Navy. Did you know that I'm a Navy SEAL? <laughs> Do, are you aware of that, Mr. Ben? If that's what you call yourself. I'm quite intimidated. Well, I'm a Navy SEAL. And I was also... <laughs> did you know that I was the governor of Minnesota? <laughs> you probably don't know that. If you know anything. <laughs> I didn't know I was sharing a podcast with, with well, another I've guest. Just, I've just got here. I, I turned up. You know, basically to borrow a guitar <laughs> for my uh, story that I'm touring around with, with Australia and 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 Jai here from Stax Podcast has been trying to imitate my voice for a long time, <laughs> and we need to square up. And I'm glad you're here to take photos of the beat down that I'm about to put on this guy. I'm happy to referee. Happy yeah. to referee. I've also got my friend here, Arnold. Would you would you care to hear from him? He, he's my kind of bodyguard, but we kind of look after each other. Uh, do you, uh, hi, do you want me to, to say something on the radio? I'm not too sure. I mean, uh, I just concentrate hard on uh, working out. And uh, did you know that I was the governor of California? Two governors in Two one governors. room. We are the governors. That's what the tour is called. Govern this. <laughs> I have enjoyed watching you with your pony during lockdown, Arnie. And you're not going to believe who I have for uh, our producer. Who's producing? The Ozzy. <laughs> uh, hello, mate. What's, what's your name, mate? The Prince of Darkness himself. Yeah. Uh, oh, Sean Bennett or something. <laughs> uh, uh, I heard about Australia's really bad for like, uh, covid and we were going to talk about COVID-19 and I don't need to fucking talk about it because <laughs> I've got antibodies. I was doing a little tour with a, with a little band called Motley Crue. That was a line of ants near the pool. I went down, I snorted them all anyway because that's the only way I'm going to get antibodies in me fucking system, isn't it? <laughs> you got to snort up some ants in the whole body. <laughs> 
That'll be that bat you chewed that time. Well, that, the juices for that bat fucking ran out back in 979. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Sharon, uh, <coughs> can I have a milkshake? Uh, yeah, I'm fucking off anyway. What we're doing here to start with. Hey, fellas, thanks. Did you get the guitar? Yep, sweet as. Yep. So uh, That was unexpected. That, they just drop in. You know, that they just drop in. Wonderful. All sorts of people sort of drop in and, and just walk on in and help themselves. There is a sign on the door saying, <laughs> some, well, it's in Japanese. They probably didn't understand it. So, yeah. uh, wonderful. Yeah, yeah, they just come in, help themselves. And, yeah, I can't believe they took the uh, the broken nylon string guitar that, no. as opposed to some It'll... beautiful maintenance there and... Whatever floats your boat. Well, yeah, who, who knows? They probably can't play guitars. So. Well, Rob Viney mimes. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> did I say that out loud? He, yeah, well, it's, I kind of suspected that when yeah. I asked Rob Viney once who's his favourite band, and he said Millie Vanilli. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I was uh, quite quite impressed, and I went, hang on, there's something amiss here. That's the latest uh, the latest rumour. Yeah. So I was on the Hunter Brothers the other month and uh, brought out the rumour that there was uh, not really twin brothers. Uh, you never see Bill and Craig in the same room together, like Michael Jackson and Latoya. Yep. Never see. So then they started finding where I was at venues and standing behind me cheekily while Rob took a photo. And I'm going, "What are you doing?" Bill would stand there, and I go, "Yeah." And Craig would pop round here, the other side. So yeah, they're uh, cheeky. Well, I, I wondered that for ages because uh, I mean, twins are twins, but they don't look alike most of the time. You know. Like- you know, so it's really one person. It is one person. Same personality. I'm sticking to that. Yeah, they're only one. I've never seen him in the room together. No, so no, no twins and Rob Viney. The only time I've ever seen them together is in photos, photos, Photoshop, Photoshop photos. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, well duplicated, well done. I know, very clever. Yeah, like, very clever. You think I really do work at McDonald's? You know, but yeah. uh, I mean, you never see them both on stage at the same time. No. With Electric State. Never. Yep. So, debunked. True. Mythbusters. Yep. I think yep. there is that theory that's getting around Perth. Talking about myths. Hmm. And let's, uh, we could probably wrap this up with a little bit of an interesting uh, scenario here. Oh. Conspiracy theories, my man. Oh, I love them. You love them? Oh, I love them. So, uh, is it, what, what, what's a conspiracy theory that's caught your ear of late? Or even not, or just something that you've you've looked at over the years, and there's you, so you're many. going to convince me that there's the sky trails. There was one the other day. Yep. The latest photo from Mars with oh. the rover. Right. And uh, it was a 360, one of those ones where you can run the mouse over, and it's a 360 where it sort of shows you the the scape. And uh, they'd blotted out the the rover, so people were already popping up going, "Yeah, that's." These are photos taken from the old one, Curiosity. And they were saying this was the latest photo. But when you zoom down to the, the foot of the one of the wheels, it had a dirty great crack in it with a bloody great hole in it, which made it look like it was an old rover. And so they're saying oh, this, this is... the new one. They're saying this was a new photo that was come out the other day, and then someone went, why have they blurred out the rover? So they've pixelated it out, and someone said, because that's not the new rover. That's Curiosity. And someone went, well, why would they be doing that then? And then someone went, the wheel looks pretty fucked. It's got a dirty great hole in it. And the bloke said, well, that's because it's curiosity. It's been driving around for five years or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, so, yeah, who knows? Are they there? Has it been in for a service? Has it not been a tyre power pro the whole time it's been up there? Or is it up at Mount Magnet? And are they up there well, driving it around on Mount Whaleback somewhere? Or the desert of Arizona? Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? So, yeah, are we out there? Are we there or are we not? Well, true. Is it another stunt like the moon? Capricorn One, still one of my greatest movies ever made. Yep. 
That was all staged, yeah. Is the moon real? Did the, did we go? Why haven't we been back? I don't know. Well, I think the moon's real. I think it isn't made of cheese. Well, it's been around a long time. <clears throat> yeah, before well, my time. Well, there you go. I've never seen, you know, 495 billion year old cheese, but I'm nope. pretty sure it might look like but the moon. Did they land on it? I don't know. 9-11, don't even start me on that one. No, I won't. Oh, no. God, there's too many. There is. I love it. What about lizards? Do you think lizards live amongst us? Oh, you don't even get me going on Did that you one. Remember the series V? I do. Yeah. And uh, there was that film, uh, They Live. Oh. And a Melbourne band, Cicada Stone, have just done their new video to their latest song on a They Live type uh, video. It's oh, pretty right. cool. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. there are lizards amongst us. Hey, reptilians, are they here? Well, yes, reptilians. Prince yeah. Philip looked pretty much like a reptilian when he came out of hospital the other day. So what, we, what about if you go back and you talk about how humans got on the planet? I've always believed, since I've diving into conspiracy theories all the time, but I've watched some really good documentaries about the Anunnaki and, and um, things like that that come from obviously outer space and that's why we sort of look to the sky and heavens yep. for gods and all that kind of stuff and they rode in on these chariots yeah, and yeah, yeah. all that kind of stuff that they they probably did. Ex- and Prometheus kind of touched on that a little bit. Yep, Chariots of the Gods was chariots, the book. Yeah, by Van Den- yeah, Denneken. Yeah. Yep. Um, so uh, do you, is there a possibility there that you think that perhaps, you know, like I guess and I work in a, in a religious environment and... There's a few questions that, and you, you go back to a, a, a civilization back then. How do they explain things like that without any sort of scientific knowledge, without knowing things of like like combustion engines and all those things? Well, that's it. How see, things happen. You, you know? see some of these old paintings where there's sparks in the sky and all this stuff. Who well, knows? Yeah, all those yeah, like yeah, yeah. UFO type things, and yep. you know they're kind of well placed in the background. You know that. Well, I'm a sheet metal worker by trade, but I'm getting better. Uh, but I actually look at how some of these stones have been machined that are meant to be thousands of years old and dead straight lines that well, are... Well, the latest one now is that they were moulded. Moulded? They were... So, uh, superconductors. Mm. Superconductor is where you take magnet, pol- pol- polarised magnetism and you use it to propel something. And it creates this super a superconductor, and you use things like um, super low temperatures versus other temperatures, and um, you know, and that superconductor is how they work. And what superconductor can do is have reverse gravitational properties to the Earth's gravity, so it can hover and it can move, and it uses sound frequencies with this superconductor to be able to move around up and down. Very rapidly. Well, I bet they wish they had that techno- technology in the Suez Canal right now to move that fucking ship, hey? Oh, is there one stuck? Is that have you not no seen idea? this? No, I have not seen oh, this. Oh, you need to watch this one. Someone's had a right nightmare. <laughs> They've jammed this huge container ship yep. sideways in Suez Canal. It's costing $7 million an hour. Can I ask what country the ship's from? Mm, I'm, I'm not saying. <laughs> not Because I might get in trouble. Don't say Asian. Don't say Asian drivers. Oh, no, that's not. That's Although not, there was one, Korean shit. there was already a, <laughs> there was already a post up today of the of the uh, on Facebook of the ship stuck, and then the next one was of a woman captain smiling. <laughs> but uh, no, it's we, should, um, we shouldn't laugh. Yeah, it's, yeah, a, it's jammed, yeah. and uh, apparently it's costing seven million dollars a day or an hour, seven million an hour in lost trade, and there's two hundred ships already backed up, can't get through the Suez Canal. Wow. Yeah, it's huge. 200, yeah, well, I suppose. 200 backed up already. Especially for the oil. So they've also said it's 15-day additional journey to go around Africa. Yep. 
So that's going to be interesting. They said they reckon they can refloat. They've got 10 tugboats trying to get it off this sandbank. So he's done the Austin Powers thing. They, yeah, 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 he's Yeah, no, we can make it. It's uh, the, the ship's 400 metres long. Ah, this this canal's 500 metres. Oh, ah, yeah. nah. Yeah. So, yeah, have a look at the pictures because it's hilarious. And they've got it proper wedged now. They're trying with 10 tugs to shift it. What started off, they reckon they'd get it cleared in a couple of days. They're now saying could be a couple of weeks. Or well, they may have to, to move empty the ship and then cut it in half it, and cut it off and <laughs> reweld it together. But it's it's a massive container ship. That's so, brilliant. I know. I, 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 um, I, I was over here at the time, but being a Newcastle boy, we had a ship run aground on the parked itself on Nobby's Reef, which is one of my favourite old surfing breaks when I grew up. I used to surf there all the time. And here's this huge container ship parked on the beach in a city beach <laughs> in Newcastle. <laughs> Pasha Bolka, it was called. And, oh, uh, really? Yeah, so you look at the, the footage of, of Pasha Bolka and if, if you're at home sitting there now and you're on your, you're on your, uh, on your computer, just Google Pasha Bolka and see this big, beautiful ship just sitting proudly on this beach and oh, I need to look this up now like and then like seriously like 15 you know 1500 feet away you've got a canteen and a, and a kiosk and some showers and <laughs> and a huge container ship no but the big thing was the it's like no mate the harbour's there <laughs> it's like just over the rock thing there you know who was reading Missed that by that much you know so well I'd like to turn a couple of my questions on to you as you've sat there all relaxed Go and on, thrown I, some off on me I'd go like, on, I dare so you. I normally finish my interviews off with a couple of uh, regular questions so um I'd love to ask you. So uh, you've obviously done a lot of music yourself and worked with a lot of people. So I've, I've, I've filled people a lot for a lot of years. Oh, that's yeah. great. That's yeah. what I've been doing. So um, I'll ask you my restaurant question. You've got a couple of hours. I'll book you a table. You've got uh, three musicians, dead or alive, to join you for dinner for a couple of hours just to have a chat. Who would you like joining you? Firstly, Tom Waits. Nice. Um the next one would be a toss-up between a guy called um, his name's called Blunt. He's, he's actually a, a Canadian artist. Okay. Um, and he's his songs are sort of stuff. Well, the truck got stuck when the engine stuck in the Huddersfield truck pulled out the, the uh, was it pulled out the something truck and the next got truck got stuck and eventually pulled out by the Ford. <laughs> and the the song matter that he sings is just so like. I love it. I just love it, you know. And he's got songs like uh, about gambling and all that, you know. And like, oh, cool. And he's, he's a, I'm a massive country fan because yeah, yeah. it's evident in Kabashi. And uh, <laughs> so I've got like I just the way he writes songs and the day-to-day stuff, you know, like um, uh, it's time to switch to whiskey, boys. Uh, you know, like been drinking beer all night, you know. So he's got sort of it's just songs about living, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, and they're yeah. just, he's not trying. He's not trying at all. And he's got that beautiful flat picking. I'm into my bluegrass and flat picking, and I do a lot of flat picking myself. And yeah. uh, so I love that kind of stuff. So yeah, so would Tom Waits, because I've, I've always admired Tom Waits. Yeah. And then I guess it would be anyone out of Alison Chains, but preferably uh, dead. Lane Staley, but Lane was kind of so strung out on heroin that he would probably be a bad conversation. But Jerry Cantrell is a very funny man, and humour for me is a massive in my life. It's you know, without humour, I think 
you, you kind of don't get to look at the world properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you get tied down in all the goings on and you get too deep in yourself. And humour's kind of like the plank between your ass cheeks that stops you having a prolapse. You know what yeah, I mean? It's, yeah, yeah. It's kind of sort of stops the. But so those three guys, it was pretty easy to answer that. That would be the. So what's quite interesting with that is that I sometimes get a name that I've not had before. Yep. And then that name pops up close to the last interview I've had. So Jerry Cantrell arrived in my last interview with Matt Robbins from Cicada Stone. So yep. those two interviews, that was my last interview. So it it's come up again, bounced straight yeah. on, which is, and it's it never come up before that in a hundred interviews. So isn't that weird that two people on the bounce of each other have said the same name? Well, I was sitting up at about three o'clock in the morning. I used to bounce. I used to work on doors over in Newcastle. I remember getting home at about three o'clock and, I used to have cereal for some reason at that time of night because I wouldn't wake up till lunch and then I'd have lunch. So I'd have cereal at 3 yeah. o'clock in the morning, go to sleep. But I'd sit there and watch Rage while I'm smacking down a you know bowl of Kellogg's or something like that. And I remember the song Angry Chair come on and it was so different. And it was the, the twin harmonies that Jerry Cantrell often did um, with, with Lane. And that sound just struck a chord with me and mm. I went, I found God. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was like, wow, I've, I've, I've found God. This is, since Pink Floyd, this is the best thing I've ever heard. Yeah, yeah. And it put me on to Alice in Chains. And I was telling all my mates, get on Alice in Chains, get on that. And this is early days when they had the first album out, Facelift. And they actually had one before that, but it was kind of a garagey type band, you know? I mean, feel with the home recording, which very hard to get hold of. But my mates would just listen to it and they'd go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. To this day, they all love them. Hmm. And a lot of people, I think you'd find, be very surprised how if you talk to a lot of people who play any style of rock at all, will hold Alice in Chains up with some of the greatest acts of all time. You know? hmm. Interesting. Uh, just a couple of boys from Seattle. You know? yeah. What was the last album you listened to? The last album you know, I listened to was actually um, a guy called Guy Clark. Okay. Guy Clark is a, once again, country artist. And he sings songs about cold dog soup and rainbow pie. Do whatever it gets me by. Fill my belly till the day I die. Cold dog soup and rainbow pie. Cool. With that nice yeah, slide yeah. acoustic guitar in it and a violin and, you know, and a, that nice beautiful shuffle with the brushes. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if I had my way, that's the music. And I do. I've done a bit with a band called Big Jack, who's a whole bunch of people like myself who are great artists. They all play in bands like Blue Jean around the place. Yeah, and yeah. We all get together because we've got this love of this sound and we do – I've got a whole heap of country songs and we get together for country festivals and things Fantastic. like that. Fantastic. Yeah, so, yeah. And the, I think it was it – was, I think it was the Essentials – Albums. I wasn't a particular album. It was the Essentials off Spotify? But yeah, it was, yeah. It was Guy Clark. Yeah. All right. And finally, I feel I've taken over your podcast. No, I'm here. actually liking this because I don't get asked many questions apart from where's the toilet. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when are you going to unlock the door? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can I have the combination for the padlock, please? <laughs> uh, and finally, if you could be credited with writing any song ever written, what song would you choose? I'm going to be corny and say mine. Of of. When it comes to writing songs, I, I write songs that no one's ever heard because I'd love to play you one that I'm in the middle of. I'm doing a, a country album at the moment called Coal Town. And I wrote this song, but it, it wasn't. It was an off an old album called Rusty's Bar and Grill that I did, God, 12, 13 years ago. A lot of slide flat picking guitar and a lot of steel guitar and all that kind of stuff and a bit of pedal work and all that. And I wrote a song called Gretley and I know it's a bit corny to talk yourself up and say that's the song, but... I'm going to quickly dive down into the story and I encourage anyone to 
type up Gretley, Rusty's Bar and Grill, and, and it's there on uh, Reverb Nation and Bandcamp and all those things. I, I put it out there for people to listen to if they want it, and it was more for just to bank it in case yeah. someone ever, ever happened to me or I lost whatever files I had, you can find it. And it's about uh, my father was involved in a, in a mine over in New South Wales called called Gretley. And there was a, a coal mine just out of a place called Wall's End um, in the outer regions of, of the Newcastle Hunter area. Uh, what they did is the, the, the swing shift was on, so they went down and my father's crew went down and they were in a crib room, you know, where they meet and have lunch. And this is, you know, six kilometres underground. Um, shuttle car pulls up, they empty out, they have a briefing as what they wet, the coal scene that they're going to cut. Um, and the other fellas were on just fit tidying up for the night. But what they did is before they left, they looked at their surveying and they, they realised that about 12 and a half metres that way, there's a, there's a mine shaft which goes, you know, two, three kilometres to the surface. And that mine shaft was full of water. And so they need to send a little probe in, which is about as big as um, my deck, which is about <laughs> that, you know. And they, they, it's like a roughly a 12 mil hole that goes five metres that way to find out if there's water behind there. But the immense pressure of this shaft, because a lot of it, Usually a lot of it collapses at that sort of... And you get a lot of shale and all that kind of stuff. So if you do bore into it, it plugs itself pretty quick. But as soon as they tapped into that, and they thought it was 12 metres, so they're just punching through with a decent drill and just ramming it in there, so to speak, to, to get to where they want to go. And they've tapped it well early, and that whole mine shaft blew out oh, shit. with those guys at the coalface. And there was Eddie Batterham and young fella um, Glenn Kaiser and... Um, you know, Brownie and a few other fellas, the whole community knew, well, they lost their lives then and there. They, oh, wow. they got, basically, if you imagine being pushed up a rocky edge mine shaft with cables and, and steel, every, they got rammed up to where the crib room was, which was, you know, good, fair distance from where they were. They, you drive down in a car to, to work the coalface. Crib room's up in a safe area from gas and water. And they got pushed up and they, they could see water coming in, you know, basically, oh, shit, what's happened? They heard the explosion. Now, the lyrics in that song, for me, are some of the most emotional. And I, I kind of get emotional talking about it, but mm. um, sun is on the goes, sun is on the rise, time for the dew to dry. Mama's on the rise, got this feeling she don't know why. Now deep beneath the earth, um, tell me what it's all worth. Can you tell me, can you tell me, what did they do, what did they say when my boys were taken away? So far under the ground, hear the water, hear the sound, there's no answer, hear the call. Um, um, and then it's this eerie sound that I've done on the guitar, and I will play the song so you can hear it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I got that to these gentlemen that that, were, that survived, and they get together, including my father as one of these guys, and the old Gretley miners, and it's a very hard song to listen to, but they're, they're really proud that someone captured the emotion yeah yeah um and it, i cry when i sing it dad cries when he hears it yeah, yeah. the town cries when they hear it and it's such a emotional song and it, the weirdness is a lot of us sing songs to make people feel happy but this ha the way i captured the emotion in this song 
and it's not going to be a song for everybody because they, they don't really know the story. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's on YouTube. Gretley's on YouTube with the film clip and everything. Um, the the emotion that it and it's a moment where they remember and they get together and they they'll put that song on and they'll listen and they'll all cry together and mm. give each other a hug and then have a beer and remember those yeah. that were lost. You know the power of music, the, the power and. It was such a simple song for me to write because I, I watched my father cry many times on the anniversaries and all this kind of thing. And my dad's a tough bastard, you know. To see him break down, I like, get emotional. Like, it's just unleashes. It's like me. Like, I walk around like I'm like, king shit, won't take shit from anyone, chest out. But that song brings me down to, to a watery mess, you know. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I've never had a song, even though I wrote it, I've never had a song do that to me. It's just completely destroy me every time yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear it. And that includes a lot of the ballads you hear, you know, like, like the, uh, you know, the In the Arms of an Angel um, is another one that evokes that emotion. But it's not about the fact it's been heard by thousands of people, but, you know, that small community, and yeah, me, yeah. that song means, means so, so to much to them. Yeah. And I can relate to it. Uh, and it astounds me that I wrote that song yeah. the way I did, and, and I will play it when we when we wind up. Um, it I can't explain. I can't explain what it does to. And it's very serious. I'm very usually there's a lot of fuckery on the show, and I very rarely get this deep. But I occasionally do when I talked about my brother's passing and things like that. It's sort of it's been in there, and it shows I guess the whole emotions that music delivers. But yeah, yeah. it it for me is that holds an almighty standard that I don't think can be touched by anyone. No one else could have, I believe, well, I could have, Kenny Sybottom that worked there as well as a muso and, you know, uh, a few of the... And I grew up in a a town of local music legends and that's why I love country because it was all country music. It's where I grew up. And I'm writing a whole album about all these country people now and dedicating songs to them, but I've done greatly, which I'm thinking of actually just putting on this album anyway Um, because it's called Cold Town. It's about that whole community spirit. It, um, it for me, when you say, could I, if I had any song I could write, well, I know it sounds on yourself to say, well, I wrote it, but it's my honest answer. And probably one of the best answers I've had. Yeah. From all the answers I've had. Yeah. It's it's the most honest. It's hard to talk about. Yeah, it's yeah, hard to yeah. listen to, but it's... If you were there and you've seen what it did to the town, it, yeah. it captured it and it's... Sometimes you need a good cry to get over shit as yeah, a bloke. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, even yeah. as a bloke, you know. Yeah, definitely. We're always the tough guy in front of our wives and then in front of our mates and we're like, yeah, mate, suck it up. Everything yeah, will be all yeah, right. Yeah. But it, it brings the baddest men on the planet that, that you know and the baddest blokes in our town, they all cannot listen to it without crying. Yeah. And it's... you remember a song called Teddy Bear? Have you ever heard that about a young kid that all he wanted to do was go for a ride in his truck because his father was killed in a truck and they all... Out come a whole convoy and picked up this kid and... But the kid also had, like, uh, lymphomic cancer or something like that and passed away. And it, it, I can't listen to that without crying yeah. too, so... There's something in sad songs where people will just deny it, so I can't listen to it. But there's there's a lesson in it that humility is something you've got to embrace, and it's part of life. Hmm. And songs can do that. So as much as it brings back a memory, it can also release inner feelings that we've suppressed. Yeah. And 
I really captured that with Gretley. And, uh, you know, and these are artists that I've looked up and I've seen them and the people say, oh, country songs are so sad. They are because it's a tough life in mm. the country. You know, you, you, you're not living in an apartment where They're real. socialism is... The, <clears throat> You, yeah. You're sometimes lonely out there, you know, and, and it captures all that, you know, that kind of music. And, mm. you know, I sort of, it, I find it very hard to live here in Western Australia, especially in Butler and this surrounding areas. I've kind of, I'm not really that interested in rock. Mm. <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not, I love Alice in Chains, don't get me wrong, but when I listen to the radio driving, I'm listening to the Guy Clarks and to Steve Earle and to um, Woody Guthrie and, and uh, uh, Cor Blund and these artists that a lot of people haven't heard of, you know, that that write such beautiful music, you know, and, and yeah, I get in my car and it just makes me feel in touch with, with the world. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the answer. Well, there you go. You've got a little taste of my interviewing technique. Then. Yeah. Yeah, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. I've made Angry Anderson cry twice. Yeah. So. Oh, geez, he's had it tough, that fella too, so. Yeah. Well, we, he cried talking about George and Harry. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, emotions of remembering Alberts. Yeah. But I sometimes think bastard. they're the, be- they're the best bastard. interviews. Like, you can sit there and stuff around <laughs> as much, but I guarantee you anyone that actually listens to what I just said now... Mm may find it difficult to listen to, even though they don't know what's going on. Yeah, and I guarantee yeah. you that people heard that are going to Google Gretley yeah, Mind yeah, Disaster yeah. and read about it, you know, and just, well, there you go. And it's brought light to it as well. And, yeah. and it's, a, it's a sign of respect for those, for those you know, those well, ladies. will be another generation that will look into it and won't forget what happened, which is nice. Possibly. But, mm. I mean, as I said, I'm, I'm just an artist that you've got to go looking for. I'm not in your face, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's a, and it's a bit like these guys, the Call Blunts are that popular in America, but he's actually popular in Newcastle. He done a show in Newcastle, which he sold out an entertainment centre. Wow. And the rest of Australia, he got like 30 people to. Bloody hell. Yeah, so it's funny how some people, I guess it's like, uh, what's his old, uh, uh, what's his name? The, the guy from South America, the Sugar Man. I'm going to say Ramirez, but that's wrong. Uh, the Sugar Man is a... Uh, if I say his name, you know, I, I have a lot of these mental blanks. Massive in South Africa. He was working on a building site in, in America. Um, Ramirez? Oh, Rodriguez. Rodriguez, which is an artist you probably haven't heard of. No. He's got millions of followers, but they're all in South Africa. Wow. You know? So my millions of followers must be in, like, Zimbabwe or somewhere. <laughs> they're I, I, there. They're definitely there they're, somewhere. They're out so. there somewhere. Yeah, but it's, it's nice, actually, to have the tables turn and... Yeah, I, I guess I don't get interviewed that much, but there's a whole lot of layers to me that people don't really know, you know. And there's just the humour guy that does the kabashi karate bullshit and there's, yeah, you know, yeah, but yeah. there's also the comedian buffhead and there's... But it was also nice to see you open up there just then and yeah. just just for those last three questions, I felt it was my podcast then. It was great. I yeah. don't... I, I, you can tell I'm not comfortable being this side. I like being that side. Yeah, well, it's, 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 uh, it is it is awkward. <laughs> and But it, on the same token too, it's... When you probably listen back to this too, you've you've talked a bit about life and it's it's you've opened yourself up quite a lot to, to do the podcast, obviously, but there's little snippets now you might be out one night and people go, Soccer player, eh? Yeah. Our old goalkeeper. I'm like, oh, fuck, they listen to <laughs> bastards. Sing us a song, you tacker. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like it might be and Don't do angels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Please don't do angels here. Like, Have you got your Nokia? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pull out your sixty two ten and play it for us, will you? You know, so oh. like, that's just funny. But that's good banter and it's of it, 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 it brings 
uh, humility, and I'm big on that. Uh, and that's why I love to interview people. And I had a guy on here. He calls himself uh, Ag- Agonomous Ag- Betty or Anogmas Betty. I can't really pronounce it. Um, and and uh, Agmouse Betty or something like that. And he pronounced it perfectly. <laughs> and he's uh, he's a bit of a shit stirrer in a lot of ways, but he's such a beautiful guy. Like he's just got this. And the reason he's a shit stirrer, he's a bit of an antagonist, and he's proud of it. But the reason he does that is because he wants people to wake up to what's going on around them and you know and he, he's had issues with with drugs and life and world and had, he's been depressed and to hear that story was absolutely fantastic and I had Kelvin Whitwell on who um, is part of the uh, the world and, and he does um, um, metal ed he's metal ed from all the, the he does podcasts around the place too and he opened up on his childhood and his brother and his brother's just released a book called um one eye, one ear, no worries, you know, and, and it's all about his life growing up with half a face. Mm. And these two guys, the story that they told and how they lost close people to him around him and and, and the, the battle of his depression and mm. all that kind of stuff was not what I expected on the podcast because usually if people are clowning around like we have for the last two hours, it's easy to do and it's Banner and it's Yahoo and all that kind of stuff. But then to bring a moment in like that, mm. it just makes this podcast compelling, I believe, you know. Yeah. And to have people like that open up and Kelvin and there's been a couple of others too over the time and uh, really talk about things deep and, and I, I don't know if it's an interview technique or like people with you, they're comfortable mm. or yeah. I'm, I'm asking questions and they, they, they're watching someone across for them listen mm. and show compassion and not just be talking out of their ass about, hey, yeah, mate, oh, you're fucking awesome, man, mm. you know, like that, that crap that people hear all the time. So. Mm. Yeah, I guess that's the beauty, and that's why I love podcasts so much. Mm, you know? You're good fun, and that's why I love interviewing. Just getting in that, that just getting in a little bit deep, a little bit personal with someone, and they open up like the Kenny Wayne Shepherd bringing in all about his kids, and yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. There are there are some good. Angry was the second time I spoke to Angry was obviously difficult because it was after the passing of his son, and we were told not to bring Talk, it up yeah, and exactly. not even to give our condolences yeah, during yeah, the exactly. interview, which I didn't need to be told because I wouldn't no. do that. Um, and he'd respect that. He'd walk away from that interview going, "They didn't fucking stir that." that and do you know that the worst business, thing you know? was halfway through he brought it up. And well, I'm if like, he does, then and, I, and, and we talked about it very very briefly, um, and I contacted the PR person who's actually a very close friend of his and went a bit awkward he's brought it up and she went totally up to you what you do with it so I yep. left it out yep. because I felt that was personal to me that he opened that up to me well it's a double edged sword there too because in a way you become vulnerable in an interview when you go down a rabbit hole you wasn't expecting to Yeah, you haven't got a preconceited idea of what you're going to talk about no. so you spoke probably like I just did then you speak from the heart and you heard yeah, me I was yeah. breaking up like it, it releases a lot of emotion, and I guess with him too, he sometimes he he need he needs that. Yeah, and that's why I listen to a guy Clark song, and I really get deep. Yeah, and half but, of me was thinking, has he told me that because he felt comfortable doing that, which yeah. he must have, or did he tell you that to to, to he, he wants did people he want to hear me it. to put it out there? Yeah, so but, it, it could have went the other way. Where he rings, he goes. Mate, I told you that from the deepest things of my yeah, heart. Why yeah, yeah. would you edit that out? Yeah, uh, but and then I would have put it back in. But yeah. there was a very bit at the very, very end where he brought it back up again and said about the flight being... Uh, he said, you know, because we, we started the whole conversation about... Um, he just randomly said, uh, isn't it funny how the flight from Perth to Sydney yeah. and Sydney to Perth are different lengths of time? Yes. 
and he said same difference and wins and different times of year and yep. and then at the very end he brought that up again and he said it's funny how we, we talked about time um, he said that flight home after what happened and he brought it up again and I went and I interjected and went that must have felt like a lifetime on that plane he said no the opposite he said I got on at Perth and I was that numb I got off the other end yeah and then he said so I'd was learned. he ever was he ever here when yeah, he heard they, the news oh no so Echo Del Tusca who I'm good friends with played. they picked up the support yep. so they came here and supported I went down to the Ravenswood show they played at Ravenswood yep. uh, and then they played the second night was the Charles and it was the, after the Charles show they went back to their hotel and it was that night Right. so they were flying back the next morning anyway uh, but he woke to to that and flew home the next morning with that Wow. And, he, and he just said that that flight was just on the plane and next thing you know they were pulling up on the tarmac. Well, you can only imagine, and I, and I guess we're not at liberty really to talk about this, but, and I'll, I'll probably, we'll probably end this at this, but the emotions running through your head and, and I've, I lost my brother recently and the emotions that run through your head, time all of a sudden isn't relevant to anything you're doing. Mm. Um, and it's like anything when you head down, bum up, busy. Next thing you know, you look at the clock and go, oh, crap, it's home time. Yeah. So it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. When you're preoccupied by something, time, it doesn't render. No. Yeah. No. It, the numbness or the... Or Absolutely. The, or, yeah. yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's, it was very interesting. It's quite... The, the humorous part about it was that the first time we chatted was two hours. The second time we chatted, he said, we haven't got as long this time. He said, I knew the first one was a long one. We only had an hour and 40. <laughs> I'm glad he, um, yeah, I'm glad he gave you just a small amount oh, of time. Oh, so great. He, he's a good man. I've never personally met guy. Angry, but um, I've been in circles and I've worked with people that have known him quite well and you're, you're obviously another one that, you know, it's funny when you interview blokes like we are now, it's, the next time we run into each other at the pub, we're, we're closer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're closer. You know, like we... If that door doesn't get unlocked, we are going to be fucking closer. Well... <laughs> I'm just worried how close. Yeah. <laughs> It puts a lotion on its skin. <laughs> it puts a lotion on its skin. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's um, it, it, they're, they're an amazing thing. And to be totally honest, Sean, I, you know, yeah, I play in bands and I like to do my comedy and all that kind of stuff. I've actually not touched comedy for a few years. I've been preoccupied by family and all those kinds of things. And I don't want to be the comedian that goes does another show singing the same songs I was 12 years ago, you know. So I'm, uh, I've got a lot of songs in the pipeline on that baby there. If that baby... Computer, something happens to that computer. I'm uh, shagged. I've got, <laughs> I've lost a couple of years of work on that thing. But oh, really? um, now I've, I've just bought a, a nice SS. I had a floppy oh, hard drive that died. Oh, hard drive. Yeah, floppy and hard drive in yeah. one sentence is kind that's of a not good. I wonder where we were going. Complete oxymoron, isn't it? So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I bought a SSD card. So hopefully I can once it's there, it's on there forever. So, but um, mate, I just I want to just say like this interview with you has been. It's great to know people how to how to talk and how to have a, a good interview. You know, it's I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's, it's always good, and mate. Look, there's so much more to talk about. I'd love you, mate. Seriously, you are my neighbour. So, <laughs> can you can you please come over I'd one day? Lo- I'd yeah. love to come back. I really would. There's a, you haven't got into my deep dark uh, emotional cave, side yet. Oh, I thought you meant cave. But that's I was very. To say that's about to happen shortly. That's so. very hard to open. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a there is a, an emotional side that uh, I don't I, I suppress very well. Well, some people just don't want yeah. it to be heard. You know, I, I mean, just, things are. This is a private moment that all of a sudden is. Is shared, and if there's anything being said tonight that you obviously, you know, you got concerns about, well, then 
that's the time that you know, and, yeah. and I would never put something out there. No. But, you know, I've actually scrapped whole interviews. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. of where it went, you know. And, well, unfortunately, this one the recorder stopped uh, recording about an hour and a half ago, so I didn't yeah, want to tell well, you. I, I know it's I know it's an <laughs> Apple Mac, but uh, but it's actually a tape. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> real to real. Real to real, and I've only got a thirty minute tape, so. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, good old uh, tack eye. Um, oh, yeah, I'd love to come back and have a chat. Absolutely, more, mate. Anytime. And, and there's, I've got a few recurring guests that love to come back. And by all means, mate, and I know this is just wank service right now, but you, you've got a podcast if ever you want an idiot to come on. Oh, I can probably arrange to have a couple of special people come on, you know. <laughs> yes, like, yes. Yeah. Um, I've, I've, I'm pretty friendly with the Lion King. I don't know if you know that guy. Yeah, the the Tiger King, sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I like uh, him. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he's in a prison, obviously over yep. in um, yep. near Detroit. So he uh, we he can often... send him a phone card. Yeah, yeah, he he'll dial in if you yep. ever want someone to get in on you. If you ever want to just a phone in from a wonderful from any of these famous and ask him questions about oh. musical things because you wouldn't believe how much Jesse Ventura has got his ear on the ground with the local Perth music scene. Fantastic. Yeah, and Hulk Hogan. Wonderful. Um, a lot of old wrestling fraternity on. Yeah. I'm, I'm well friendly with and, and some other well I heard Hulk, Hulk's a big Spud Gun fan he, massive Spud Gun fan and yeah, he, yeah. yeah he uh, and you should see the size of his Spud Gun it's <laughs> yes I've heard we don't call him Hulk Hogan for nothing yeah. no, so no. yeah um, <laughs> but uh, he's a massive Spud Gun I've, actually you know those big potatoes that you see them just ridiculously large yep. potatoes that look like a human's head that one's yeah yeah well they're the size he uses so. yeah yeah yeah, it's. Uh, We're looking for those because that's British, like a baked potato. We can't get big enough ones here. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, <laughs> good old spud gun. I remember when I was young, we used to have one, and we used to fire the. Used to put the chamber. You know, they use a butane and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spray, and um, we used to compress metho. Like, <laughs> so what? And you'd coat the the the, the potato in, in like metho or um, another good one was diesel or something like that. Oh, so when you fired it, it actually lit, and it would somehow. M- whether it's the vacuum there would would stay alight for the the, the length of flight, <laughs> and we like idiots used to fire it into a service station. So oh shit, you know, young idiots, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, strike that one. That this, we, this could be wiped, can't it? I hope so. So before I die, but uh, <laughs> excellent. But um, yeah, so we used to fire it into the servo and, and how we didn't get arrested and well maybe because they didn't know where it was. Just tell them it was a meteorite. Well, they probably thought it was, and they went, I cannot believe that there's Burnt potatoes falling from the from, yeah. the, from oh, the skies. The moon is made of burnt potatoes. Well, it's not That's cheese it. at all. <laughs> Jackie yeah. Spuds. So, mate, thank you very much. Oh, I loved, loved having and look and yeah. The reason I'm, uh, you know, I've had three, four, five hour podcasts. No one listens to the end if it's that long. So, <laughs> so let's. Uh, I like to sort of ca- try and cap it at about two hours there. About, well, if so. you want to chop all the bits that I'm in and just keep you in because you sounded great. Yeah, mate, and uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, oh, your pleasure, uh, absolute pleasure. I don't mind an interview, mate. And uh, it's you know I can talk as you found out. I can talk with a mouthful of water, <laughs> marbles underwater. I meant so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I find I'm getting this CTE thing where I reckon the old head knocks and that from rugby league where I'm struggling sometimes to process. I get a thought and then getting it out. Yeah, of yeah, the, yeah. Of the blower is kind of starting to get a bit difficult. So um, I've got a lot in common with another guy that I know really well that dials up a lot, and that's of course the. Yeah, the uh, the metal lord himself, Ozzy Osbourne. Of so, course. Yeah, the of grandfather course. of metal. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So anytime you want him dialing up, mate, <laughs> he can ring in. He can ring in. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure he can get a bit of uh, yeah, Ozzy. I, I won't get the real one to ring in. Or Alice Cooper. You name it. You know what Alice I mean. Alice will so, be there. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it might sound a bit funny. 
you know, they could have a cold. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's yeah. happening this, these, these days. In a, you know, vaccinations cause these kind it's of things. It's caused a lot of things, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure if Ronnie James Dio rings in, there's going to be a few questions on that one. So, <laughs> He but, might send uh, it on a Ouija board. Yeah, yeah, true. It, yeah. He's saying this. <laughs> so, mate, um, good luck with everything. Good luck with the rock pit. Thank you very much. Uh, just before we bow out, is there anything coming up you'd like to, uh, to spruik out there? Oh, I suppose the only one really would be uh, we manage the Silent Deeds and they're doing a wonderful job at the moment. They've got a fantastic uh, video launch. Yep. They've been working hard. They've been, uh, we've had some late nights in Fremantle Prison, which was wonderful. So thank you to Freo Prison yep. for letting us into areas you can't normally get to. And uh, I've seen snippets of the video. It looks fantastic. It will be an amplifier on the 16th of April yep. with the Caballeros and Scatterback. So get down there to see the premiere of the film. Brilliant. Other than that, Check out The Rock Pit, www.therockpit.net. And check out Sean Bennett. Wonderful episode of Stacks. Thanks very much for listening. I'm Joy Digg. Make sure you get hold of Stacks on the platforms, such as iTunes. And, of course, uh, I use my SoundCloud account as my base to be able to launch these programs. Um, so you can always find it on SoundCloud. Or you just Google Joy Digg, J-I-D-E-E-G, at Stacks. And uh, you'll find it really directly. If you say Stacks Podcast, you get Stacks of Stacks. And when you've got Stacks of Stacks, it's always confusing. So that's been Sean Bennett. I'm Joy Deeg. I'm out. Good night, Australia. Welcome to Stacks Radio, brought to you by Close to Nowhere. That's right, here at Stacks Radio, we endeavour to find out the lighter side of some of Perth's most interesting entertainers. So sit back and enjoy a beverage, and enjoy Stacks Radio. Tally-ho!